MLM Nation, episode 663. Welcome to MLM Nation, a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, hosted by Simon Chan. He's built a team of over 200,000 and is now a full-time MLM coach and trainer. So if you're ready to level up your business, join us now. Let's do this. Hey, I'm Anishin, the Simon Channel. Hope you're doing awesome. And we got a great feedback from last week's episode when we replayed all the way back to the ML Nation archives of the first season with Jordan Adler. So I figured we'd do another one. And a lot of you have been asking me about my background. A couple of people messaged my Instagram about that, how long I've been in network marketing and stuff like that. So I figured I want to do something else. This actually is coming from episode 157. I want to share, share this again. It talks, this is, by the way, where I talk about my background, and I was interviewed. This was a really fun episode. It seems like we did it last month, but with my friend Adam Carey, uh, he and his wife are awesome people, he and his wife Michelle, and they interviewed me. They interviewed me, and it was actually really funny. Uh, went over, this is definitely the longest episode ever, so hopefully you don't get bored, This, but this is tons of value content out there. I share a lot of business advice that I got, the mistakes I've made, some of the best advice that I, even though I recorded this five years ago, it still applies today. So it is definitely the longest episode on MLM Nation, but I think you're going to find a lot of gold nuggets uh, with this. So here it is. I'm going to leave it in, in its entirety. It's not being edited. Uh, and I think looking back, I actually, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh my goodness, how I've grown personally as well, doing this podcast for over six years. So that's something interesting. And if you ever feel that, I definitely feel I'm a much better today than back then. So if you ever getting started, just know that, hey, I always share every master was a disaster. I wasn't the best, but hey, I started and uh, f- six years later, five years later from that episode, I've definitely changed and definitely improved in my game. So something to pay attention to. Uh, and by the way, speaking of that, I've always, my late mentor, Jim Rohn, always motivated me uh, by reminding me this, that, hey, you got to see the way he used to be. You want people to say, Simon, look at that guy. You can't believe how he used to be. Right. That's what is something that always motivated me to always let people stay consistent so that people like we be amazed at how you've grown. And that's something I always push myself. And, and, and you can use that the other way, too. Like if you've gotten worse, people are like, oh, my goodness, look at him now. You should see the way he used to be, meaning that he was, you know, you could have been really, really good and now suck. But I always used it to motivate. Hey, I used to suck. But look at me now. Right. Look at him now. So anyway, that's something you can take with you. If you want consistency, you know, just being aware of your growth, your personal journey. Very, very important. Anyway, I could go on. I'm rambling again. I want you to bring back to that original episode. Uh, go check it out. And by the way, if you want to see this over three, the first 300 episodes on MLM Nation are in a separate podcast where you check it out on iTunes or on Spotify or any of the major platforms. It is called MLM Nation Archives. So there's a lot of gold there. Unfortunately, the way they structure, we have to split them in two. But you can check it out and we'll put that link in the show notes. Anyway, enough said. Let's go right back to the original episode. ML Nation, this is season two and it is episode 157. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. 
Hey, I'm Nation. Forget taking notes and let's get results instead. Let's get an interested prospect, actually someone who wants to know about you, uh, your product, your business, your service. Hey, let's do that. And the way to do that is you and I prospect together. Hey, we do these sessions once a month. Go check it out at mlnation.com forward slash B-Y-O-B. Hey, MLM Nation, this is Adam Carey, and I'm fired up to be your host for today. If you're a regular listener, you might be wondering where Simon is. Well, I'm not exactly sure, but I think he resigned to go get a nine-to-five job. Totally kidding, guys. Don't turn off the show because this episode is going to be a real treat. I have the honor and privilege to interview your host and founder of MLM Nation, Mr. Simon Chan himself. Simon, are you ready to make it happen? I am ready to make it happen. Yes, I am. Awesome, man. We're excited to have you. Why don't you tell the listeners what this show is all about? Well, thank you so much. If you're wondering what it is, here's my good friend Adam Carey from adamandmichellecarey.com. We got connected through the show and about like a year ago, actually about like eight, nine months ago, then we became good friends. We've done some stuff together. And, you know, first of all, I want to thank all the listeners out there. You know, time goes by so fast. It's been one year. Can you believe it's been a hundred years? 57 episodes now, and, um, and you know, I asked for feedback. I want to, first of all, I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank my team. Again, every episode is just, not just me. Uh, I wish I could take all the credit, but it's really about my team out there, from Scott to Mike to Kara to Oki to Wisdom, really a total of five people, six people sometimes, brainstorming ideas to come up with this. So it's not a one-man show. Really, it's a team game. And I want to thank all the feedback, and you know, throughout um, this past year, we've gotten a lot of people asking questions, ideas. Thank you for submitting those ideas. And this is really, really cool. It's like the law of attraction, right? Sometimes you put a thought out there, you have an idea, and I'm thinking about, wow, it's one year already. It goes by so fast. What? Sh- Maybe you should do something special for the, the you know, this year two, the first episode of year two, because we've come a, such a long way. And I want to thank. All- by the way, I want to thank all the leaders who've been on the show as well. So. 156 leaders, what can we do? And one of the ideas I had was maybe, because people have been asking me all the time, like, Simon, tell about your story. Share about your aha moments, because we know you've been successful in network marketing, but we don't know the whole story. And But we also know you do coaching and training, different groups like MLM Nation Insider, your mastermind. But share more. And for the first year, I didn't want to talk about myself, because it's really not about me. This show is really about the about. Uh, the leaders, right? The leaders who make us such a great profession and about the listeners. So I actually said, no, I, I, I didn't want to do that because it's not about Simon. It's really about the whole ML profession. And then one day, finally, I decided, you know what? All these questions, maybe, what the heck, you know, keep, to keep people happy, I will do an episode. Maybe this is be the episode to launch the second season. You know, the first season we launched with Danny Johnson. Second season, maybe I'll finally answer everyone's questions again. I'm on the show. And the cool thing is, the amazing thing is that morning, right after I went to work out, okay, I went to walk my dog in the morning. I was checking. While I'm walking my dog, Obi, I am checking my phone for messages, right, Facebook messages. And Angelo Leventis from – he's a, Angelo, I want to thank you for this. Angelo Leventis contacted me through Facebook. He's from Greece. And, you know, we got listeners globally in Greece. He said, hey, you know what? I got a great idea for you for your second episode, second season of your first ep- – the first episode of your second season. Why don't you – Answer all the questions. Talk about yourself. And I'm telling you, Adam, it was crazy. It's like the, 
It was literally like less than an hour. I thought about my jog, my workout. Angela messaged me at the same time. So I said, hey, this is fate. This is destiny. This is God's plan. So let's do this. So Angela, thanks for reaching out. Awesome suggestion. So this episode is about, you know, uh, the questions that a lot of you have sent me. Uh, we'll do the best to answer all of them. And uh, I was, she had one thing. I'm kind of nervous. So <laughs> this is probably the most nervous I've been since the first couple episodes, which tells you that it's okay to be nervous because you know, even when I speak on stage, it doesn't matter. I speak in front of, you know, I spoke in front of like nine, ten thousand people before. But even when I speak to some like groups of 10 people, I still get nervous. But you just learn to overcome that. So anyway, I'm going to give it back to Adam because it's kind of weird for me to, uh, you know, in every show, we introduce a speaker, right? So it's kind of weird for me to talk about myself. So Adam, why don't you open the show up? I certainly will, Simon, and I'm just humbled and honored that you would ask me. And in a minute, I'm going to introduce and edify you for those that don't know you and tell you a little bit more about that. But I'm pumped for this episode because your listeners are actually going to get to walk away from this interview with a deeper personal connection and actually feel like they can relate to you on so many more levels. And on that personal note, you know, you know, Simon, personally, that Michelle and I, we love to have fun. We love to laugh. But what you may not know is that we also have a serious side, too. So before I edify you, I do have a serious question to ask you if you're ready. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, all right. So in my opinion, there's only two types of people in the world, and it has everything to do with the toilet paper roll, over or under. There's a right way and a wrong <laughs> way. Which one are you, man? Uh, over. But I've learned to be under because I don't want my kids playing with the toilet paper. So both. Okay. Over, but right now, as of right to second, it is under. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that answer right there is going to change lives. There's going to be future millionaires in the industry. So all kidding aside, let me tell you a little bit about Simon. Simon didn't know that question was coming, by the way. He's probably going to hate me for it. But Simon is now, a Now you follower. got me thinking, did I give the right answer? Gosh, what type of impression am I giving? <laughs> over. It's all about over, man. Over is right. Everything else is wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> but Simon is a follower of Jesus Christ. He's a husband, a father, the founder of MLM Nation, a business coach, and an online marketer. He's been involved with the network marketing profession for over 13 years. He graduated from Columbia University and had a dream job working for the NBA, the National Basketball Association. He became a very close friend with the first Chinese player to make it to the NBA, Wayne Gigi. That led Simon to become a certified NBA player agent, and he uh, represented Wayne for a short period before they actually joined with a bigger agency. However, after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Simon discovered he was going down the wrong life path and realized he needed to start his own business. In 2003, he started his network marketing business because Simon believed MLM is the only business that really focuses on helping others. I would completely agree with that. Network marketing would let Simon live his purpose-driven life of having a positive impact on as many lives as possible. Simon built a global business, get this guys, of over 70,000 distributors in over 18 countries. He's a three-star diamond director in his company's Million Dollar Club. He's won the prestigious President Award for being the fastest-growing distributor in North America. And in 2013, Simon followed his passion. He retired from building his MLM business, and he wanted to focus more on coaching and training. So even though he's been retired and hasn't done literally anything for, for the last three years, his company still pays him a six figure residual income. That's powerful. Simon and his wife, Kelly, they live in Los Angeles, California with their three boys and his first son, Obi. Maybe he can share a little bit more about Obi. But Simon, I've given MLM Nation a brief and crazy awesome intro, but please share more about your background and how you actually came across 
uh, the network marketing profession. Well, thank you so much. And, um, you know, for those who don't know my story, I was basically in a rich dad, poor dad. Uh, my dad and my parents, who I really respect a lot, they were immigrants from Hong Kong. And my dad grew up, you know, with, uh, they were basically, when he came over to Hong, from, the U, from Hong Kong to the U.S., they had no money, they lived in a tiny 400 square foot studio. And my dad came here to be a doctor. He, you know, he did his residency. And uh, he basically achieved the American dream. You know, we grew up, um, basically, I was kind of you know, upper, upper middle class, spoiled, living in a nice part in Brooklyn, New York. Now, you know, most of the people I say Brooklyn, New York, uh, they think it's in the hood in the ghetto. Yes, there's that part of Brooklyn, but I grew up in a nice part of Brooklyn, okay? I just sometimes say that to make it sound tough. So, uh, okay. but we grew up in a nice place, big house, three Mercedes. And, um, but what am I, you know, I never grew up really that happy as a kid because all I wanted to do was to go to, you know, New York Yankee baseball games, go to Nick games, basketball games. I was really into sports, and my dad was never there. And so I said, because he was busy, you know, he had a private practice, the private cl- a clinic. He had to, and then weekend, he had to go to a nursing home. All this other type of stuff, right? So, and he had actually worked at two different hospitals, a Long Island College Hospital, which changed his name in Brooklyn. Then he had like Methodist, and he had to go. So he's always busy. And I was like, you know, money's not that important. I wanted to do something else. Uh, but see, my parents, they were just pushing education, 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 because uh, that's basically what helped my dad. My dad grew up, you know, one of six uh, siblings, grew up in a tiny little place in Hong Kong. The front, the front of the store was like a hardware store, and the back, where that's where he and his, I think they grew up six kids in two bedrooms, you know, that's what they did. And all of them studied hard, and they all became professionals, engineers, nurses, and dad, doctor, a chiropractor. So my dad's just like, study, study, study. So that's what I did. You know, I never liked to study, but my parents just like pushed me, and I guess I was never wanted to get in trouble. I just realized. realized uh, and by the way, I was kind of. I never had needed a job. I never had a job until after college. As long as I studied, my parents gave me money. They gave me allowance as long as I hit my grades. So I was a like, great. I could get all my GI Joe toys, Transformers, whatever. As long as I studied, and that got me into Columbia. And then, so this is really the poor dad, rich dad, poor dad, the poor dad route. Study hard, get a job, right? So. Out of Columbia, I got a, the dream job working for the NBA. You know, it was very, very little pay, uh, but I loved it. And I would, at that time, I was living with my parents in Long Island. I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning, go jog for 30 minutes. And then uh, I, I would take a guy shower. Like, you know, the guy shower is like two-minute shower. I know. Oh, ladies, I thought it was an uh, axe in a can. <coughs> you just spray a little axe on you. You're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit better than that, okay? Um, but some days I was tempted to do that because it was a two-minute quick shower because I got to get on the LIE to beat traffic. I had to be on the road by 6.15, get to the office at 7, I'll eat breakfast there, I'll work, and I'll work to 6 p.m. And sometimes I'll be so tired during the day that I would, uh, you know, I would just go across the street at a Holiday Inn there, and I'll grab a USA Today, sit in the, you know, the lobby, pretend to... Uh, you know, wait for a friend and just take a 20-minute power, power nap there, right? Just pretending I was, like, waiting for a friend reading this, the, the, the newspaper. So I did that for a couple of years, but I love my job. And then I became good friends. Uh, just working hard, became good friends of a player. Uh, his name is Wang Jiji. We're still very good friends today. He was the first Chinese player to make it to the NBA. Through him, I met Yao, Yao Ming. And then I moved out to L.A. That's the reason I moved out to L.A. Wong played for the Clippers. Then we joined for a big agency. So... All this time, then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and realized all this time I was making money for other people. I, I did so much stuff for, I'm telling you, like sacrifice my, just my years of my life and my health just to promote the NBA, do all that stuff. And nothing for myself. 
And that's okay. You know, something's got to change. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then from this, I got to have a business. But I didn't know what type of business. I, I had no idea. All I knew was sports, and I knew how to work hard and study hard, right? So I uh, was looking around, and through Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read Cash Flow Quadrant, and I found about network marketing. And I was like, I didn't know what network marketing was. I thought it was marketing computer networks, right? So I thought, I, well, no wonder it's popular. This is like the internet's going fast. But then it turned out, no, it's something else. So I was like, what the heck is network marketing? I bought, so I started reading books. I read Network Marketing for Dummies. Okay, even though I'm not a dummy, I started all the way at the bottom, the Dummies book. I read your first year of network marketing. I did a lot of research with uh, Wave 3, Wave 4 network marketing by Richard Poe. And this is before I joined because I was super skeptical. Like, you're telling me invest a couple hundred dollars, you can make a hundred grand? Like, I'm looking, I'm thinking about doing a Subway franchise because, again, yeah, I like the franchise model because I didn't have a product. Right. All, I knew, all I knew is like, I didn't want a job. I got to have a business to create passive income. So franchise look good, but then it takes a quarter million to get started and all that. So I looked at the network marketing. But, but network marketing, you can make more money than a franchise? It's like, come on. It's like, there's got to be some. And again, growing up in New York, I'm very no BS, no, no hype, very you know, skeptical. So I, this can't be true. So I researched and found out it was true. And at, at the same time, I uh, read the book that totally changed my life, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. You know, God's a big part of, part of my life. And I found that after doing the 40 days of exercise, that for the 40 chapters, that God's purpose for me was to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. Like I always enjoyed, even though I grew up shy and quiet, kind of introverted, but I always enjoyed mentoring others. And, and even back in college, I was like in the, uh, I'll be you know, a, a counselor for my small group, for like a teenage group, teenagers and, and teenage and junior high kids in my church. I would uh, do basketball c- camps and clinics in Chinatown you know, just to get the kids off the street. I enjoy doing that. And I found a network marketing, people think it's sales, but it's not really sales. It's about helping others. Like you can make money, but it's actually a very low paying sales job because you really don't get that much. You really don't make much money. You're talking 50 prospects, get two to sign up. You make a couple hundred dollars. There's really not money there. The money is in duplication of leverage. It's training. Because if you want to do sales, you know, go sell houses, go sell cars. You make way more than, net- than network marketing. So it's a coaching and mentoring business. And I was like, well, that seems like what God told me to do, to coach and mentor people, right? And so I was like, That's, all right, let's do it. Let's do network marketing. Let's go for it. And uh, believe it or not, uh, Adam, no one recruited me. No one spied just... Say, I'm going to do this. I found a company, went to Google, typed in the company's name in Los Angeles. Some guys, random guy's website came up. I called him, say, how do I join? Sign me up. Wow. And, uh, and that That's is powerful. how I got started. That's how I got started. Wow, wow. Hey, I'm, <clears throat> there's probably a lot of people that are hoping right now someone's going to go Google their name and they're going to get popped up and their lives are going to get changed. But you know what stood out to me is um, just when you talked about your, your childhood growing up, as a kid, if, for, for the listeners that have kids, you know, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. I've got a two-year-old. She's about to turn two in April, and she just loves quality time. It's, it's about making memories together, and I think that's one of the reasons that, it's, that this business attracts so many people. It's finally a way to get your life back, and here's something a mentor told me, Simon, is you could either work for a system or you could have a system that works for you. Those are really the only two options unless you just inherit a bunch of money. And so finally, there's a proven system that has a low entry cost that can work for us. It can change lives as it's done for you. So uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper, but I know one of the first questions that you like to ask your audience, and and we're going to ask you as well, is, is the struggles. You know, when I look back on my own journey in MLM and reflect on the struggles, I hated going through uncomfortable times. I think we all do. However, I've learned to appreciate them because they really help shape you as a, as a leader, 
they build character, and it's really where you learn perseverance. So can you speak on that? Take us back to maybe your most frustrating moment in your network marketing career and what lessons you actually learned from it? Well, I'll, I'll share a couple of frustrating moments. Number one, uh, well, one that's, that's not that frustrating, but it's really important for people to know. Like, I had no success starting off, okay? I, like, my first two months, I made zero money. Okay, now I invested by then with monthly auto ships and stuff, almost $2,000. I made nothing. And the reason why is I had no consistency. See, this business is, you know, if you go fast, it's really exciting. If you go slow, it's really, really boring and you want to quit. And I was going slow. I was doing different things. And I wasn't focused. You know, some of you out there listeners, you want to do other things. And I'm going to share this. At that time, I thought about multiple streams of income. I want to do real estate. And believe it or not, Adam, you're going to laugh about this. I actually wanted to be a model. Too. So I actually got my pictures taken, go make a card, appear on commercials. My friends go hit me up with that. <laughs> I think I saw the Simon Chan swimsuit calendar actually on eBay. I think it was for 96. So, <laughs> oh, so hide that. Don't ever show it. But anyway, I was going to model. And, and by the way, that's actually a funny story because when the guy called me to sign up, I mean, I shared a story. Like I reached out to him. He called me. He talked for 40. We talked for 45 minutes. And I, I said to him, he said, you want to sign up? I was like, uh, not yet. Let me think about it. Call me back tomorrow. And of course, I didn't think about it, right? He called me back the next day. He said, did you think about it? And of course, I didn't think about it, but I just didn't want him to sign up. And when he called me at that time, I still remember it's a Friday afternoon at the Camarilla Outlets in LA, and I was shopping for my modeling clothes for my first photo shoot. And I was just like, I'm too busy right now. Call me back in two hours. So then he called me back two hours, and I signed up. But I did so many other things. I wanted to do real estate. I want to write a book. I want to do this. I'll tell you, all of them went nowhere because you can't be... The only way to be successful is focus and having laser focus. And you don't have enough time in the day. Like Some people ask me, can I do multiple MLMs? No. Now, you can do multiple MLMs after you create a successful one. But, but, but some people ask, well, what about the services? I recommend this one company. Do health, I do this. No, but you don't have time. Like, you know, Adam, you're, you're a successful six-figure earner. And you can barely have time to do one company, right? So how can you focus on so many things? So that, that's exactly what happened to me. I was doing all, all, these, all these other things. First two months, I've only talked to 10 people. And the only thing that saved me was I was listening to training calls, weekly training calls. And this guy on the call was basically, and this guy on the call, actually, he's been on ML Nation. He's turned out to be a, was my, one of my mentors and good friends, Steve Schwartz. And he's just like, if you do this business, and he was making six figures already, right? He's like, if you do this business on a Monday, take two or three days off, and then do it on a Thursday, and then Friday's the weekend, Saturday the weekend, you know, who does waiting to work on weekends, right? You want to go to the movies, watch sports, watch college football. And on Sunday, after you watch the NFL, then you, you feel guilty. You want to then you do a, make a couple of calls on Sunday and do Monday, and then you take a couple of days break. So that's not going to work. And I remember I was playing on my, uh, I was actually visiting my parents in New York. It was like a really cold day. I was pulling on my parents' driveway. I remember exactly I was pulling my parents' driveway, driver driving their uh, red Ford Explorer, and I, I just parked the car there and rewound that thing like five times and listened to it. And I was like, I knew the business worked. I'd read, you know, Network Marketing for Dummies, read all those books. I knew people made money. I mean, otherwise, why would Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all these people talk about it? But I had no money. I was making no money. I was down 2000 because I was doing exactly what that guy, Steve, said on the training call. And this is way before podcasts. This is, I actually had to download. I guess this saved me. I downloaded MP3s and burned them onto CDs. I'll just play them, right? And I got so angry. I was like, forget this. I'm going to start doing it consistently. And I was... Uh, and I just thought, you know, I was like, my New Year's resolution in 2004 is to prospect every single day. And I came up with this thing called 553. Every day, first five is just um, 
approaching people, see whether they were interested or not. The second five is follow up. And the third is do three presentations a day. The three people has got to look at the products, got to look at the company, whether it's an online video or a teleconference, something like that. I start applying that and then uh, still, and I got so angry, you know, I got, I got so fired up because I, I knew this business worked. I was making no money. I was like, forget January 1st. I want to start. And so I started this immediately, December 28, 2003. I started making phone calls to my parents' house and I was so bad, so terribly bad because I... I don't like, I hate the phone. I don't like the phone. And I'm not a person like who likes to call people. And uh, I was terrible at it. I didn't know, like, I was stuttering. So I would go to my parents' den. And and I had my laptop, but the, my parents' Wi-Fi, again, this is 2003, wasn't strong enough to go to the den. So I would take a couple phone numbers and then go into the den, close the door, and then make a couple calls. And of course, everyone said no. Well, like, they would say, hang up on me. And I'll go back out, look at the laptop, grab a couple other numbers on the phone, go back in there. And my mom's like, what the heck are you doing? I was like, don't worry, mom, don't worry. It's good, it's good, don't worry about it. You know, I was so bad and so embarrassed, I wouldn't tell my mom what I was doing, okay? But the amazing thing is, you know, I think one of the things is I played basketball in college, and, like, as long as you do something consistently over time, you get better and better, right? And, like, I couldn't run a Back in college, I was really good basketball ship. I couldn't run a marathon. And later on, I could run a marathon because every morning I'll run. And I realized if you do it every little bit every day, you get you get good, and I had zero skills, Adam. Zero, zero skills, and it took me forty-two people. By the time the forty-second person, mm. someone finally signed up, and yeah. and that was the lesson. And I actually could have transitioned to one of my aha moments. Was one of the aha moments was self development is really important. You got to learn. Now, you want to be a good basketball player? You go to summer camps. You invest in coaches. And I was like, I got to be good. I, I want to be good in this business. I got to read a book. So I didn't know how to do sales. I didn't know how to prospect. Aside from training calls, like listening to your team's trainings, no matter how great your company is, is not enough. And I think if you're listening to ML Nation, you know that because you're listening to this, right? You, you got to invest in more. You got to go to seminars, go to conferences, constantly working yourself. And I said, I got to do that because that's what I did in basketball. That's what I would do. So I went to Amazon and said, let me find a book about uh, prospecting, sales. And that time was way different. It didn't have many resources out there. So I found a book by Zig Ziglar, Selling 101. And I'll, it's kind of like, embarrassing to say, uh, but this is how far I've come. But the only reason I chose that one, Selling One-on-One, as opposed to other books, you know why, Adam? Why? Because it was the cheapest book on there. It was like seven ninety nine. Because at seven ninety nine versus nine ninety nine, I was too cheap to spend the nine ninety nine. The seven ninety nine was the cheapest. So, all right, whatever. So you know, talk about a growth of mindset. I would spend twenty dollars to go hang fifty dollars at night to go hang on my friends, but I couldn't even spend ten ninety nine on a book. So I went for seven ninety nine, Selling One-on-One, and I got that, and I realized when you prospect, you got to have a really sincere belief to help others, and when you really believe. This business can help change someone's life. When you believe the products can help someone's, uh, or your service can make someone's life better, products can help your health, or whatever it is, you really believe in it, and you, you believe in you're helping people. And not, instead of seeing people as a dollar sign on the forehead, people start paying attention to you. And I was like, you're right. I saw every one of people as a target, as a way yeah. for me to make my lifestyle, my income. So I started making that shift. When I talked to people, I really cared about them. And it's like really a subconscious shift. Just like close your eyes and feel like helping. Instead of seeing I'm going to make a sales call, I'm making a helping call. I'm helping someone. Right? I'm not going out to, to make sales. I'm going out to help people. 
And whether they want my help, that's another issue, but I'm helping. And once I did that, uh, I got very close to signups. And by, by 30-something people, I was very close, but I just didn't know how to close. But I kept on going at it. And by the 42nd person, that's how I got my first sign-up. And so that was one of my aha moments. And the the worst, well, I wouldn't consider it the worst point, even though I didn't sign up anyone, because I knew it takes time. Like, I always thought about, and I'm, a promise I made to myself, I was not going to quit for five years, because in the book Network Marketing for Dummies, anyone who builds the business consistently for five years will make at least 50 grand. That's what the book says. And I was like, well, I don't want 50 grand, I want 100 grand, right? And so I said to myself, if I quit before five years, and that's two conditions, I got to work the business every single day, which I was not doing. So I started on December 28th. The second thing is I got to give you five years time because if I quit within year three, I just cheated myself because the statistics prove if you do it consistently, like six, seven days a week of prospecting, and I'm a, now not management stuff like shuffling business cards or just liking things on Facebook, but actually talking, presenting, prospecting, approaching people, you can make 50 grand. So I said, well, I want 100 grand, but I'm not going to quit for five years. And for that time, I, I had the date, November uh, it was November uh, 14, 2008. I had it plastered everywhere on my apartment. Every time I go out, I was like, am I doing something? Am I going somewhere that's going to help me reach my goal? But five, uh, six, I said six figures before November 14th or take, do something that's going to take me away from my goals. I wake up in the morning. It's my bathroom mirror. Am I waking up today to do something to help me reach my goals to take me away from my goals? I hate the phone. Okay, I don't like to call up. I had to pay. Every time I look at my phone and I'm like, oh my goodness, like that I put the date right on the phone. Make that one extra call. And I actually, I, I don't like to make the phones. And one thing I did was, but I like gadgets. So I always buy a new phone, new, new cell phone. Because every time, you, here's the good news about when you buy a new cell phone. What do you do? And this is way before the iPhone. When you buy a new phone, you want to use it, right? Like, you want to make a call and test. So every year I buy a new phone. I was like, oh, I got And I look at the date. Hey, go Simon, go make that one extra call. So I did that. And that's basically how I started getting my signs. I got better and better. Now, um, in terms of the worst, worst moment in the business, um, and there was a lot of bad moments, and I'll share, um, I'll share two. I guess it's my show. I could share as many as I want, right, Adam? Well, today it's my show, but how about I allow you to do that? <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. And by the way, ML Nation, Adam is uncensored. He could do whatever he wants. I told him, hey, I, you know, by the way, you got to check out Adam's videos on his website. We'll go to adammichellecarry.com or on Facebook. They got hilarious videos, especially the one, my favorite one is the one I was in there. Um, that was, my, I guess, my acting um, f- debut. Uh, you, uh, maybe I can win an Oscar on it, but it was really funny. They got really, really good content. Go check them out. So that's why I chose Adam. Hey, you're a good friend, but you got an awesome personality. You run the show. So anyway, getting back to the stories, um, one of the worst moments is this is like I was year, two, two years into the business. I just kind of became full-time. For me to get to the next level in my company, I was like a go director. I needed one solid leader. You know, solid leader means not downline, so don't do anything, but someone that actually performs and can sponsor, right? How many of you wish you had people that can sponsor? Now, I had a couple people in my business that can do that. Uh, one of them was John, John Gerlitz, who is my party animal friend. He's with ML Nation episode 50, who my best friends. I'll talk more about him in a second. And then his wife was good. But I needed someone else in my other life. And I kept on sponsoring, sponsoring, and no good nobody, right? And there was, I'll sign up people, and I signed up 80 people in a year, but they all quit. So here, my, uh, and I'm gonna, I can't review the person here, okay? So this person was a distant relative, and in, in 
my relative told me about this distant relative and said that this person is not good in the business because he's too busy. He just had like a second daughter and actually he just had one first daughter that time and he's about to have a second daughter. He plays ice hockey. He travels. He does party promotions. He's got, he's a socialite. He is, so he knows all these people. He was the most popular kid, voted most popular kid in his high school, everything. But he was way too busy. You can never track, get hold of him. Right, and every time I'll visit my relative, this distant relative was always busy. I never hardly see him, just except for a big, big family, just big Chinese family dinners. You know, we, we, we see each other, so I never approached him. One day, this distant relative all of a sudden comes up and wants to talk to my wife, and I just actually went before we got married. It's like my girlfriend, and so I got to talk to you. So it turns out, okay, this distant relative who I never approached because he's too busy. He's not a good. He's not a qualified prospect. Okay, and but. Let me remember, two years I'm struggling to hit this level of a go director. And go director, you got to hit $1,000 a week for four straight weeks consistently to get to the, This is like the big, first big rank in our company. And I was struggling. I, I needed someone in extra life. I keep sponsoring, they all quit. I was probably sponsored 20 people. You know, a couple people became customers. One people were sponsored one. But rest all quit. Nothing. They had no momentum. I keep going. Kind of frustrated. I'm like, oh, does MLM even work? It's like a low paying sales business. I got one leg, but other legs not going. So this distant relative calls my, my, uh, my, my wife now and says, hey, you got to check this out. Got to call me back, right? So it's text her. So my wife talks to her. Turns out this guy joined another MLM company. So that's a shocker, right? That's actually hurt. Not only that, Adam, he sponsored 14 people in the first four weeks in this company. Oh, I think it was not not that he was uh, not qualified. It's that you prejudged, huh? It was a bit, you know, I felt that I had the guts took, taken out of me because I was stressed working my oh, butts man. off. You know, I was, it's not like I'm lazy. I was prospecting like crazy. I would talk to people in my community. I would, uh, you know, talk to all my college friends. I would buy leads. I was, that, by that time, I was very good at online marketing. Right? I generated a lot of online marketing leads. I would sponsor them, but no leader. All of a sudden, this person's right in my kind of distant backyard. It's not distant. It comes in, 14 people. The guy made like $5,000, $6,000 in the first month. And I was oh, like, man. wow, if this guy was my business, I would wear And so that was really, that was one of the biggest lessons. Never, never, never prejudge. You never know uh, what can happen. So uh, that was probably one of the worst. And, it, and the lesson is because, you know, so, so Adam, if someone's asked you, Hey, what's up, Adam? How are you doing? What are you going to say normally? How are you doing? I'm d- doing great. Doing great, right? So you how ask you? your friends. If you ask your friends, how are you doing? What are you going to say? Doing great. But let me ask you, everyone, including I'm sure Adam, you, myself, right? We've had issues in our time where we had financial issues, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, we've had issues, maybe even health issues, if you're a health product, health issues, or you need money. Do mm-hmm. we tell people, oh, I'm like $50,000 in debt, or I just <laughs> can't pay my mortgage? Do we carry around with a sign? No, yeah. your friends are the same way, right? Just like we, we've had issues where, you know, Adam, you shared a really inspiring story on ML Nation. And by the way, we didn't even mention that, uh, listeners, you got to check out Adam and Michelle's episode too. That was like, I forgot what episode that was, but I was awesome share. So you got to check that out. But Adam shared that he was in debt and all that stuff because of the financial crisis. So, but when people were asking, hey, what's up? You don't tell them you're, you know, you're in debt, your credit card, or creditors are coming after you. You don't tell that stuff, right? So yeah, when you highly favored. <laughs> yeah. So when you ask your friends, on the outside, they may be looking good, but deep inside, they're not telling you. So you never, never know. And that distant relative, on the outside, he seems to be having all the fun. He seems to be too busy, but apparently not too busy to sponsor 14 people in a month. So mm. that was one. And uh, another lesson I can go on and on was like, 
Um, I lost my, you know, this woman sponsored 30 customers in the first month. It was in my business. Okay. Awesome. 30 customers in the first month, 30 something customers. Her name was Doris, right? She did it part time too. She was like working the ministry part time. So she was good. She was a leader, right? So I'm at the, this is back in 2005 or so, 2000, early 2006. I'm like working with other downlines who are nagging in my help. How do I fix my website? How do I change my auto ship? How do I do this? Uh, I'm trying to call them. Don't motivate them. Don't quit. Come on, you can do it. Well, I'm spending all this time. One day Doris calls me. Say, Simon, I love you. You've been an awesome leader. I love you as a person, but I'm leaving your team. It's like, what? Uh. You, but, you, but you're making money. You, you got 30 customers. So I know, but you know, you seem to be so busy with the other team. I need more attention, need more support, and you're just not there for me. It's been a couple of times I was hoping you would call me, but uh, I'm working, I'm building my business, but you're busy with other likes, other people. And that was a big lesson. The whole time, right? And that's the lesson at ML Nation. Work with people that deserve your time, not need your time. Work, I'm going to repeat that again. Work with people that deserve your time, not need your time, because a lot of people needed my time. And I'll tell you, all those people I helped out, they all end up quitting. But the one person that was a leader was right in my business. But I was too busy focusing on other people. I thought she was good. I thought she didn't need my help because she could sponsor 30-something people. Right? She loved the product. So she ended up quitting and joined on with another leader in, another, uh, in our company that could provide her more support. And I, was, I, would, I would provide support. I would, I would do everything for her. But I thought she didn't need my help. I thought I was working with people who needed my help. So that's the that's the uh, second thing, and I guess the last uh, it's a lot of stories here. The last one, I'll, I'll promise this will be the last one about the worst moments. I guess I'm sharing this because letting people know, like, only reason we're successful when people get there is we've been through this crap, right? And it's just you keep going. It's almost like if I didn't. And here's the thing: if you've been, if you had a really bad experience, here's some motivation for you: use that as a fuel for your success. Use that, say to yourself, say to yourself right now, you're going to use that story on stage one day. And that's the only thing I could do. When the the distant relative sponsored 14 people, when Doris quit, all I can say to myself is, one day I'll be sharing this on stage. And that's the the only thing that kept me going. Like all the bad things about you, all the bad mistakes, or took you 42 people to sign up, Simon, one day you'll be sharing this on stage. And that's what kept me going. And um, one of my close friends, Robert Allen, who mentored me, he taught me that. You know, he's a best-selling, New York Times best-selling author. He's written like 10 best-selling books. He told me, whatever your weakest point is, your worst moments, that's going to be part of your story. And your story will be greater than anyone's story, Simon, because you've gone through more mistakes than failures. Right? And those failures are events, not a person. You're not a failure, Simon. You just went through that. But that will make you stronger and better. Last one, uh, the thing was... The worst moment was we're waiting for the Malaysia market to open up, and I invested a lot of money to go out there. And to make a long story short, the market never seemed to open up. And I was just like, oh, when is it going to open? When is it going to open? And then um, almost like forever, it finally opened up. And that actually goes to the lesson is the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. I put so much time and effort. I got to thank my guy, Ken Ong. If he ever listens to it, he's like retired already, Ken Ong. Uh, you know, he's a, one of my first leaders in Malaysia. We just, him, and, him and I, we did webinars. And the company couldn't open up. Um, even when it opened, you know, we had issues. We did webinars. And we had webinars where no one would show up. And sometimes we just put in, you know, random names. We were logging from five different computers just to show that there was five people there. But no one would show up. We did that for six months. 
could a company say, we're launching, we're launching, but never launched. And but, and I was just like, am I doing to do this? But all I knew is like my reputation, credibility is on the line. I helped, I got a lot of people to follow me. I needed to keep going. And even though, you know, I was paying for an apartment in Malaysia. I was going back there, you know, and I, I have to thank my wife for supporting me. I was going back there all the time. You know, if you count all the times I lived in Malaysia, it was probably 18 months my life spending there, even the company couldn't open, I was still there. And kind of like, you know, when the, in, the, in the war, the fort, even if every soldier's dying, but if one person's holding the flag, you still haven't lost yet. And sometimes it's just a me and Ken that you said, hey, Simon, it's just there's two of us, we got to hold the flag. As long as we do webinars, we're still holding the flag. But once we stop that webinars, the flag is down. And we kept on going, persisting. And then finally, just when I thought, hey, you know this lease I've got in uh, Pelanjaya in, in Kuala Lumpur, in Amcor Mall, we stayed at. Maybe it's not even worth it. I'm just going to end it. Forget this. Okay, I'm just go back to the U.S. market. Just when I felt like quitting, then the company announced it. I finally got the license, and then uh, that was in, uh, in 2007, and boom, and then it really took off. Yeah, we had the biggest team in Malaysia. That's such good stuff, Simon. You know what I really appreciate, and I think the listeners are going to appreciate as well, is just how honest and transparent. There's really no such thing as over night success. You paid a price. You paid a heavy price. And the fact that you did not give up. And you know what I was starting to think about as you were sharing your story is the fact of just the fact how hungry you were. There weren't people trying to motivate you and get you to read personal development. I mean, you were just hungry. And so you naturally just started to consume it. And that should be kind of an aha moment for us as as builders is when we're thinking, you know, we're out there trying to to motivate people, I heard, you know, it's something I've, I've, that's always stuck with me is it's far easier to give birth than resurrect the dead, right? And so you're just out there looking for passionate, excited people like you. There's so much good stuff in that last, you know, 10, 15 minutes that you just shared. You know, and, I, I, uh, I want to add one thing, you know, uh-huh. uh, you talked about the hunger. The reason I got hunger, <clears throat> here's another tip for success. It's like, I burned my bridge. You know, there was a time when 2005, 2006, uh, I got a job offer to work for a major sports company. Okay, it was basically SFX. They wanted me to do some stuff in China. There was a Chinese player that was going to be drafted in the NBA. Uh, he actually, his name was E. Jan Lian. Uh, he played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, the New Jersey Nets, Washington Wizards. Uh, he ended up being a journeyman, but he would, could be the next superstar, super, super, superstar, very talented. They basically was going to offer me de- pretty good salary to go out there to live in China and to recruit him. And uh, I saw about it. It sounded exciting. If I sign him, I'll get a, I'll get a big, nice signing bonus, maybe 100000 200000 cash. Really nice, right? And I was like, well, that sounds great. But if I don't sign him, then I just got a job. But even if I do sign him, I still got a job. And what happens if I spend two years in China and our company's not open in China at that time, my whole MLM business will collapse. So it's like two years, I can make a lot of money, but what is my dream and goal? I can make the money, get a job, great. But two years from now, I'll still be in the same hamster wheel, running, running, spinning, going nowhere. I'll, make, I'll be worse, actually, because I'll make money, but I got less time. That's one thing that's guaranteed for all of us. We're going to die. Whether you're going to die 70, 80, 90, 100 years or whatever, we're going to have limited time on this earth. So I spent two years trying to recruit them. My whole amount of business is going to die. But if I forget about the money, because opportunity and time is way more valuable than money. I work on this business in two years. I don't need a job anymore. I go there, okay, so what? I make twenty. I make a quarter million dollars because I signed this kid, right? I'll make a hundred grand. Who cares? I get less life on my life. I get less years of my life to live, and my business is collapsed. And then I can watch. We build my MLM business from scratch. I just lost two years of my life. You know, and, you know, getting back to Shimba's inspiring story, it's like, here's something. Almost every MLM distributor fails because they quit way too early. 
Because you don't write that down. Almost every MLM distributor fails if it, because they quit too early. But if you stay in the game long enough, like, Adam, you stayed in the game for long enough. If you stay in the game long enough, you're guaranteed to be successful. Because MLM is just a game. It's just like learning to play basketball, learning to play checkers, chess, learning to play poker. If you play it long enough, it's the same thing over and over again. It's people skills. It's your mindset, your self-talk, answering objections. It's the same thing over and over again. Now, it may take you, you know, depending on how much you put into it, uh, it could be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years to play the game. But once you know this game, you got it, right? Like once you master it, you're a very good poker player, you're going to be good for the rest of your life. It's the same thing in MLM. And I also have, I mean, you know me, Adam, I'm very no BS. And I sometimes I say these things that may offend people, right? So I'll be very direct. A lot of people who have instant success really quickly, a lot of times it actually hurts them because they haven't gone. So, and then it could be because they have a great company, the great trend, they get success, but they haven't developed the mindset yet. But the ones who are the all-time superstars, if you look at the seven-figure earners in, in the industry, they've all gone through uh, my type of crap, my type of stuff, but 10 times more. That's what it is. So it's like, so what does that mean? What's the lesson behind this? And that applies to anything, right? Like people who make, you see that in athletes, celebrities all the time, they make a lot of money really quickly. And, and they don't have the right values. They don't learn the right lessons. It self-destructs them. They get depressed. They go on drugs or they lose all their money they become bankrupt, right? Because... Life is not about money. And we will talk about this more. It's not about money. It's not about being on stage. It's about the person you become. That's what I learned from Jim Rohn. Make the million, if not the million, for the person you become. So if you make a lot of money right away, then great. You better work on who you're becoming, your values, because you're going to lose that money really quickly. Because there's one thing I learned in life, and I've been, you know, you can say screwed and many, many times learned a lot of lessons. And I learned it from John Maxwell. When a person with money, with no experience, meets someone with experience and no money, what happens is the one with the experience will get the money, and the one who had the money will get the experience. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so it's really about your journey. It's not about the money. It's about the journey of who you're becoming. So as long as you're growing every day, great. And, And all the bad stuff that's happening, awesome because you'll be sharing that on stage one day. Yeah, absolutely. And people will actually be able to relate to you as a human being, because I know sitting in conferences and going to events, you're seeing people walk across the stage. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, later in the show, but you start thinking, man, they just have it so easy. Everybody they talk to says yes, but you, you don't get to hear about all the struggles. And that's why you know, I, I love Simon. I love hearing from the, the failures. I love hearing what doesn't work. And it just makes me, you know, realize that we all had to pay a price. We all had to take this journey. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a process and you can't compare your journey to somebody else's. So you just got to be willing to, to know what you really, really want, because if you don't know what you really, really want, you might give it up for something that you want right now, which might be watching sports. It might be going and playing football on the weekends. It might be you know, just, just working your business, um, spare time, which is something I wanted to mention. You know, I had a a mentor tell me one time, it's exactly what you're talking about is you were working your business part-time initially, but you could either work it full-time, you can work it part-time, but you cannot work it spare time. You can't give your business the leftovers if you're going to expect it to, uh, to, to skyrocket to success. So I appreciate you sharing that, Simon. What about, um, what about a proud moment? Do you have any proud moments or maybe your proudest moment in network marketing that you can think of? 
Well, there's a lot of proud moments. I mean, one of uh, I'll share with you the most proud moment. One, I mean, one of the proud moments is one of my leaders, Nat Sunio, who we become good friends. I really respect. I mean, when I first started, and this is what this is what's so awesome about MLM. Why I do what I do? Because yeah, my purpose is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. When I first met Nat, he could barely he was making like two, three hundred US a month in Manila in Makati, and he was living with Uncle Ed Miguel. Right, and there were basically like seven, like almost like ten people living in a two-bedroom place. The bottom was like a bread store, what do you call it, a panaria. The top was a two-bedroom living with kids. There's ten people there. It's not very sanit- sanitary. It's but they're just hungry. And then actually, Ed's wife, who was actually one of the first people I met, was living in the U.S. and couldn't even see. They had a baby daughter that was in Fresno because the grandparents were taking care of it. She, her, the mom was in L.A. working as a maid so she can bring money, send money back home because he had two other kids back home. And then Nat was like, he had a baby born premature. He couldn't even pay his hospital bills. Nat and Joanne, right? They were all, but, so seven, seven, ten people living in Philippines, the, the, Ed's wife in L.A., um, the baby is in the, like, you know, two, three-hour drive away because they can't even afford it. They don't have the time. And then, Today, not both and not they've earned over combined two three million dollars in the business. They're one of the top wow. people, in, top people. So, so to see lives change is incredible. And I remember when I was in Makani that time, and I had, a, I had an apartment there for a year. I mean, that was like my headquarters. I didn't I didn't pay the electric electric bill. And back then, this was back in oh eight oh nine. They didn't have online billing, right? So. I mean, I'm busy doing meetings. I don't have time to. Yet, you had to go to an office to pay the electric bills. Like, I don't have time to do that. And in Manila, you go. It could take you one hour to go five miles because the traffic's so bad. So I asked not like uh, I actually asked someone else like, how do I pay this? Because they said that if you don't pay your electricity bill, we're going to shut you off. It's like because I haven't paid in two or three months. I didn't know the mail kept on coming in. I just thought you go online. And I'm like, there's no website online. What do I want to do? So I was like, I, we can't get it shut off because we got meetings tonight, right? And Nod came up to me. Hey, and he said, up. He called me up for up lines. Up. Uh, I'll take care of it. Just give me 300 pesos uh, just to cover my cafe and my lunch. For 300 pesos at that time was $6. He was going to take three hours of his time, get a taxi. Go, and this was actually all the way across town to help me pay that bill for $6 US. And I was like, man. So, so he can like, and the, whatever money left over, that was what he was going to eat. I was like, man, my heart fell for him. So, so for me to see him now, um, he earns, I don't, you know, like almost ten, almost five figures a month now in this company. Um, just to see that, it's just awesome. But I would say that was a memorable moment. But, but uh, the most proud moment was, and I guess that's a proud moment to see not, but the most proud moment was the first time I was able to. Get someone to retire from the job. And that's with my good friend, John Gerlitz. Uh, again, John's probably going to listen to this. We live very close to each other. You know, we were just acquaintances at the NBA. We worked together. Go listen to that show. He was episode 50, I believe, John Gerlitz. He was a party animal. We were basically acquaintances at the NBA. We used to, you know, just say hi to each other once a month. We would send an email because of work. I had to send some finance and stuff. So. He was in the finance department. And then he was one of the first people I approached. It took me four months to get him in. So finally joins and I approached him in November. He's one of the ten people I talked to in the ten in the first two months. Of course, he doesn't join. Four months finally joins in in March, two thousand four, and then he only sponsored one people in the first five six months. No success, but he had a great attitude. Finally goes to the convention. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what he stepped on the convention, but he sponsored like six seven people in the next month. Okay, and my proudest moment was when in January two thousand seven he came to he basically quit his job. And came to Malaysia with me. He no longer needed a job because of his MLM income. 
and not just that, but to see him grow. And uh, the amazing thing is, since then we, you know, I lived in L.A. He lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. Then he went to Philippines with me. Then he lived in Columbus. He lived in Florida, and it's just awesome. Now he lives like ten minutes away from me. We're always hanging out all the time. Uh, you know, his he has a little baby girl, Alyssa. I uh, just have a baby boy coming in the next any day now since the show goes live, and we hang out all the time. And uh, since 2007 January, John has stayed at home dad. And never had to have a job ever again. Wow, that's so good. You know, Simon, when you read Purpose Driven Life and you realized that your your purpose was to impact as many lives as possible, did you ever see it uh, getting to this size? I mean, just the, just those couple stories that you shared. You know, here's what I think about: is by you saying yes to this opportunity, not only did you give you and your family a better future, but the, the thousands of people that you're going to touch a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, because that guy in the Philippines, he could still be making two to three hundred dollars a month right now. Never have been introduced to network marketing if it wasn't for you saying yes a few years prior. So you know, it's, it's powerful. You got to think about not when you when you say yes to this, it's not just about you. It's about the lives that you're going to touch months to years from now that are going to be uh, impacted. Yeah. And that's why you can never quit because I'm not in the Philippines. I didn't meet him until 2008. September 2008, and I was in the business for five years already. You know, and, yeah. and I, it's, it's the only reason I met because we, we did some Facebook marketing and connected on uh, face through Facebook. I met his uncle, and through his uncle Ed, I met him. So you, that's why you can never, never quit because you never know what's going to happen. You don't have the crystal ball, the magic crystal ball. See who, who's going to, what's going to happen. You just never, never know. Yeah, you know, uh, when I attended our company convention uh, last year. We, our yearly convention, the common theme that we heard from the stage, from the testimonies that were shared was, I was praying for an opportunity, and then, you know, I bumped into XYZ company. And there's, you think about it, if you're, if you're a distributor right now, and you're just in the, you're like, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I want you to think about right now, right now there's people praying that an opportunity is going to be presented to them, those are the people that you're looking for. And so just understand that you're an answer to prayer. You get to bring hope to people. Don't take it personally. They get to decide if they want to jump on the on the train or not, but you get to deliver that message. You get to just to share that with them. And man, it's powerful, man. I thank you for, for sharing those testimonies. I'm getting getting pretty fired up. So what what is it about our industry, about network marketing that has you fired up right now that excites you the most? You know, just to know people like you, like you and Michelle, this, like you guys are awesome people. Like ev- even if we didn't do MLM, we'd be friends. And how this profession is attracting high quality people. And if you, you know, if you look at, especially towards the, uh, you know, recently, the last couple months, almost every successful leader I've met were uh, entrepreneurs. They come from an entrepreneurial background, right? And I- I'll tell you, when I first came into the business, I thought MLM was just for poor, broke people. Had nothing else to do. I had no business yeah. experience. Poor and broke people, uh, no education, or have education, but no financial. By the way, I, I mean, I graduated from an Ivy League school, but I didn't know anything. By the way, my parents spent over like 125000 on, on on my college education. I learned nothing about building money for myself. Not even one. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know even about, about mutual funds, stock market, investing, saving money, I, giving, all self-taught. Nothing. Okay? So... So I thought, you know, MLM was just about poor broke people, but now you see it's attracting high quality people. And yeah. and that's one thing is whether people join or not, right? Whether they think they can do it, everyone agrees that some people can make money in network marketing. They know someone 
that has made a lot of money in network marketing. And that's going to be more and more and more common. Yeah, I used to think that uh, network marketing was just for soccer moms with too much time and nothing to do. And that was before we had kids, and I realized parents have zero time. But it was once we saw it uh, and couldn't deny the facts, it was pretty much a no-brainer. So here's a question I think a lot of people are wondering right now, just from your introduction, when you, t- when you started talking about you know, uh, retiring and, and pursuing training, why is it, you know, if network marketing is so amazing, why did you decide to retire and stop building? What, what, was, what was it that uh, called you to do that? That is an awesome question, okay? And this goes back to a dinner I had. And I'm going to mention his name, a guy. Uh, we've become friends. He was actually my up, up, up line, up, up, up line, something like that, right? Um, this guy, Dan Brink. So, Dan, if you're out there, I know you're going to listen because I'm going to make you listen to the thank you so much. Um, you know. Uh, so let me give you a background. Um, Dan was a guy that when I first started, he was a top incomer, top 25. He could sponsor like 200 people in a year. Okay, this guy was a stud, awesome. And all of a sudden, a couple years later, he just disappeared off the map. Like, he was still earning, but totally disappeared. Doesn't sponsor anymore. Doesn't, and I was just like, I lost, totally lost respect for him. I was like, this guy's, you know, the leader, he's got to lead by example, right? I mean, he kind of like broke my heart. Like, you're no longer on stage, you're no longer getting awards, you know? So, in 2007, we opened up in Malaysia. He came out. He was good friends with my other one of my mentors, Mike Ray. So, Mike, I want to thank you. I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be here. By the way, Mike was the one who taught me how to do meetings. The first meeting I ever did in Malaysia was, by the way, I grew up like prospecting on the phone. But the first, so the first time I did a meeting was in uh, Capital Hotel in Bukit Bintang in KL. And it was like 10 people, two people sitting on my desk. Uh, I had a laptop. And then the other people, were, another person sat in a chair. And the seven people sat on my bed. Tiny hotel room, and Mike taught me basically how to in Malaysia. He was a diamond director at that time. How to present? So anyway, Mike was close friends with Dan. Dan came over to Malaysia to support us, and he, I was just like, "Dan, come on! This guy's not building. That's not doing anything. What the heck is he doing here? Right? Just having got tourism." So anyway, he took us out to um, dinner, and you know, we went to uh, Chili's and. In uh, Bangsai, in Kuala Lumpur. And that's like an expat place. So a lot of Americans or British Australians go there. So um, he wanted like American, American type food. I guess chili is not American, it's Mexican. But I guess the Malaysian Mexican food, right? We go there. So the guacamole is very different from the US. We go there and we're sitting there. I remember, and he's like, he asked me, Simon, what's your why? And I shared my why. I was to have time with my kids because my, my dad never had time for us because he was too busy working. I, I love my dad, but he just, I don't want to be that type of dad. I want to spend time be very active in my kids' lifestyle. And he said, Simon, never forget your why. He's like, what do you mean? I said, why did you uh, join network marketing? I said, well, just spend time with my kids. So, Simon, make me a promise. When you get to that point, okay, do that. Do that. Make that promise to me. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, it's like, for me, my why is to make a certain type of income. Residual income. I got that. That's why I don't build a business anymore. That's why I don't sponsor. That's why I don't talk to my downlines. I built a business and had an exit strategy where I built a certain point, I hit my income, and that's it. I'm, I'm going to the moon. I'm going to hang out with the cows. And he had six kids. I don't even know if it's the right term, hang out, going to the moon, hang out with the cows. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you, you can, whatever, leave that in. Okay? Don't edit that out. But anyway, he's like, I, he, he had six kids. And a lot of kids are all in elementary school. They got a baby. And I, th- I want to spend time with them. I, I did not join MLM to make more awards. I did not join MLM to speak on stage. I did not join MLM to get more stars, more stars. I did not join MLM to be my company magazine, to be famous. I joined MLM because I want to spend time with my kids. 
So Simon, what's your why? And I said, well, when I have kids, I want to spend time with them. So, so remember that. Do me a promise. Maybe a promise. To remember that. Because like, I've seen too many people who chase more stars, more money. So you can never make enough money in the world. And if you made every single money, the government's going to keep printing more money. So you never make more enough money in the world. You never get all the awards, right? And at what cost? Because so if you don't have success, get that success. But know what your exit strategy is, right? No, don't get consumed by money. What is, who is your idols? And he's a spiritual guy. Too. Don't get consumed by idols. Because he's seen people in our, comp- in our company, our top earners, they lost their marriages. So are you successful? You made, you're like a you know, superstar diamond, million, made millions, but you lost your marriage. Are you successful? So Simon, what's your definition of success? So I kind of define it to and I, So that, at that time, I never understood it, but I still remember I did it. So Dan, thank you so much. So when I got to, you know, I won the President's Award at the top. Uh, how I got into um, coaching or what leaving was number, a couple of things. Number one, I realized I had to have an exit strategy. I had to, because, you know, some people, like if you're listening to this and you love network marketing, you want to do network marketing for your whole life, that's awesome. That's great for you. And I'm not telling you to quit and stop. Don't retire. If you love what you do, great. Keep doing what you're doing. But for me, I never saw myself as a forever network, you know, network marketing for life. I just saw this, you know, I read Robert Allen, who's another great mentor of mine, like multiple streams of income. I want to do different things. I, one of my goals is to speak in front of 100,000 people, right? I didn't know what capacity. That's one of my goals. So network marketing is just a stepping stone to the next level. And I don't know what the next level is. I had to, God had to reveal that to me. But I knew I didn't want to do network marketing forever. So and kind of back in uh, 2000, uh, basically 2000, starting 2000, you know, late 2011, 2012, people on Facebook would ask me questions and all that and ask me for help. It, basically, my company. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, help them out. But it was just getting so much of my time. I was like, hey, my wife wasn't happy with it. It was like, you're not even making any money. Why are you helping? And I just felt that I felt guilty. I wanted to help them. And so I just decided I'm going to do a coaching program and people have to pay. Just to, and I did, never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing, Adam. I just felt, hey, this is just an excuse to get rid of them. Say, so, hey, and I'll reply on the Facebook message because that's the problem with Facebook. Everyone can find you. You know, when you get an yeah. email, you can hide. Facebook, everyone got to find you. If they message you, you don't reply back. You're kind of like, a, oh, he's a bad guy. I messaged him five times. You know, I don't care if it goes to the other box, but I messaged him. He never got back to me, right? Because if you don't have your email, you can hide, but you can't hide on Facebook. So I just reply back, hey, just out of fairness to my team and to my family and my kid. And that time I had my, my first kid, uh, Ethan, who was born in 2011. I, you know, I could only answer questions for paid coaching clients. Right, so I just did that, and uh, someone actually paid two hundred fifty dollars an hour, paid me, and I did that. And I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool to make money." And then I quickly realized, "Hey, this sucks because you can't change a person's life in one hour, and it's going to be a lose 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 situation because I can't help that person, and that person just spent two hundred fifty dollars, and that person goes, "Oh, Simon Chan took my money, didn't really make an impact, this and that." So it's bad. So. I start doing a weekly coaching. So I have like two coaching programs. I'm not going to talk about it on the show. And you know, one for full-timers, like a mastermind, one for like a weekly for my insider program. And I was like, well, let's see what happens. And then the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. And, and then I felt like um, God spoke to me that this is what I should be doing. Because I realized, I remember Dan's conversation. I was making six figures already. In, in whether I was doing the business or not, right, in my company. And my goal was, remember, five years make six figures passive income. I hit that goal. I had my son. I should be spending time with him. I actually felt guilty. Like, I would be going and doing meetings, and I wouldn't be spending time. Because reading to my son, and, and I've been reading to my kids since he was like 
one, even right, my, my newest son, a couple of weeks old, I started reading to him. He didn't probably didn't know what the heck it was, but I want him to see him opening a book is important, right? Because it's all programming the mind. And reading and praying before we go to sleep is really important. Sometimes I'll be out doing meetings. And I'll say, my wife should spend time with my kids not being like my dad. I'm like, but what the heck, Simon? You're, you're doing what your dad is doing, pursuing more money. But your, your dad, had, my dad had no choice. He had to do that. But I have a choice. I can walk away. I got six-figure passive income. Why do I need more? So that really challenged me. It's like, so, and then the coaching stuff, the cool part is everything's online. So I'm at home. I, I, we have set hours. A couple, you know, I do a couple coaching calls a week. Everything's online with a webinar. Maybe a couple years, 10 years ago, it was impossible. Now with technology, I can do that. So, and then another reason, right, so, so that's the main reason how I got into coaching training. Um, and, you know, my purpose is always to have a positive impact on as many lives as possible. And, and like, I, I felt that even when I was building my MLM business, I never, and this is probably the first time or second time I admitted it. I think it's the first time I admitted it in public. That I never like to prospect because I'm always shy and quiet. I hated to prospect people. But I, but, but I did it because that's what, you know, Brian Tracy said, told me, successful people do what unsuccessful people don't like to do. I don't like to. I hate to prospect. I hate to present. I hate to show the plan. I hate to talk to people. I don't like to do any of that stuff. But I did it anyway because, hey, that's the way you'd be successful, right? So I did it. But one thing I always enjoyed doing and I never considered work was training and mentoring. Like I, in the Philippines, I'll go to like five, six trainings. I'll do two-hour luncheons, two-hour lunches, just speak, speak, jumping. And one day in Manila, that's the cool part. You have so many people in the Philippines. I can go from Jerry's Deli down to like a Shaki's Pizza and then to back to the, Me- the Mexican. We just go to different restaurants, McDonald's. I could do all trainings, right? I never considered that work. But meeting a prospect, oh, I hated it. But I just forced myself to do it. So I always love coaching and mentoring. That's actually kind of gotten me into the coaching and mentoring business. And it's really, uh, I realized that my purpose was to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. And in my company, in MLM, I did have a positive impact. I should have helped out John, I helped out not. In my company, you know, I don't know how many people now. It's 400, 500,000. I really don't know what's going on in my company, except when they pay me a check. I really, when I say I'm inactive, I just, you know, make sure every month I order products to stay qualified for commissions. I got an auto ship. And then uh, I make sure every week they pay me. I just make sure it gets deposited in my bank account. Aside from that, I don't do anything, but they still pay me, right? So the company may be like 400, 500,000 distributors. I had an impact on them. I helped out a lot of people, but I, outside of ML, I didn't. It's like, so when I got into coaching and training, I felt that's a better, even an awesome platform to reach out to more people. So like reaching out to people, like ML Nation is a great example. You know, like we connected and I got to know about your great book, you know, Don't Be That Guy, and they, you know, helping you promote it and all that and getting to know you and Michelle, getting to know Esther, being part of Ambitious Woman. Now, uh, you know, you listen to the show, doesn't matter what company, where you are, or Angela from Greece having global impact. None of this would have happened. And that really ties to the mission and really the big mission for ML Nation, why ML was created. You know, you're listening to ML Nation. It's a podcast, but it's actually a lot more than ML and then the podcast, right? ML Nation is a good blog. There's over 700 different blogs on there. I've written 700 different blogs, videos about training. There's my Facebook page. Um, there is the audios, my coaching, my mastermind groups. And the oral vision and the mission of ML Nation is to help 10,000 distributors reach a full-time status, which income can go full-time. And I'm not talking about like going, uh, you know, I'm really dedicated, I'm new, I'm going to go quit my job and go all out. No, no, don't do that, right? Work the, And then we talk about the mistakes. Work the business part-time until you can get to a, 
a level where you can really go full-time and not be stressed about it. So, you know, that's my, that's my vision. That's our vision for in my team. We all have the same purpose, is to get Mount Nation for us to help 10,000 distributors. So if you're listening out there, whether you're earning $100 a week or, you know, 1000 a month or whatever, you're, out, you're new, you haven't earned anything, our goal is to get 10,000 people to full-time. And I shared with you before, you know, my proudest moment with John, with Nod, they were like, you know, in my company, I, I think I ran the report, it was like 400-something people that got to full-time status, okay? And 400-something people in one company. I'm just like, if I did generic training, what, it'd be 10,000 should be a piece of cake. You know, I feel like God's really blessed me. If I don't do that, I'm wasting my talents. And I, most important, I enjoy doing it. It's part of my purpose. So that's the reason I retired. And the, the last thing is, you know, I did have some doubts, though. You know, like, was this business really residual? Because sometimes, you, you know, Adam, you see all these leaders, top leaders, they still work really hard, right? They work. So is this really residual? So, you know, I remember when I was building, if I don't talk to my downlines, if I don't reply back to them, oh, gosh, are they going to quit? My income is going to collapse. And, and, you know, when you're building, you do have to build to a certain point with a lot of death and volume. But the good news, it is residual. Like, I haven't done anything in three years, and I, I used to do more in one day than I would do in like an entire year now, and the, ink, the checks keep coming in. So that's been awesome. The business does work, uh, but what really fuels and drives me to do ML Nation, to do coaching trainings, to get me up is, be, you know, have a positive impact, to know that I made an impact in this world. It's not just about the money, but and, you, and that's why i got to thank you listeners. If I inspired you in any way, it's uh, God gave me the talents and the gifts, and uh I'm out there just to make the best of it. That's so good, man. And I actually just want to just tell you that I'm proud of you for pursuing that because I'm sure you took some flack and people gave some pushback to your decision. But, you know, there's a story that I thought of while you were sharing that. I'm a big John Maxwell fan, you know, leadership expert, John C. Maxwell. He used to be the senior pastor of Shoreline Church in San Diego, started off at some smaller churches. And he was having a, a huge impact there, but he felt God was calling him into more global leadership, teaching leadership all over the world. And if you look at what John's done now, because he because he stepped away from Shoreline Church, he's now impacted, I mean, millions of people through his equip company, through uh, coaching, through his books. I think he's written close to 80 books. And so I'm just proud of you, and I'm excited to see what God has for you, because if, if you didn't listen to your heart, if you didn't listen to Him, um, you know, it would, it would, there would be less opportunity for you to impact uh, the masses. So I'm excited about that. I think that, that story was worth yeah, well, uh, sharing. Well, thank you. This, this, you know, you brought a good point. No matter what you do, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be people who don't like it. And yeah. here's the thing, like, uh, and another thing is the coaching and training business is way, way, way harder than MLM. Okay, like uh, just this podcast is like it's not just someone me press play. I mean, you may see online, it may sound easy. It's not just press play and record. Uh, for us to do three episodes a week, it's like I said, it's five, six people that work on the show consistently. I would say five people consistently, sometimes six people. Scott gets involved with strategy, but um, that's way harder. And I definitely wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now without the MLM background. It's really about learning about the mindset. Um, but, you know, if you're listening, whatever you do, there's going to be pushback. There are going to be haters. And this is one thing that my mentor told me. The more negative people, the more haters you have, the more pushback. Congratulations, because that means you're on your way to success. Because the homeless guy on the street who doesn't do anything, he doesn't have any haters. But the most powerful people in the world, whether it's the president of the U.S., like Obama, whether you like him or not, he probably has more haters than all of us combined. Right? Mm-hmm. So this, the amount of haters bound people against you, 
as that increases, it just tells you you're doing you're doing something worthwhile. Because just as it's a huge group of people who don't like what you're doing, it's another group of people that love what you're doing. Yeah, so good. It's just being about being confident in your identity, knowing who you are, whose you are, and just uh, kind of tuning out everybody else. You know, follow your heart. So, so good. You know, I know if you had to start all over at MLM tomorrow, I know you would have success a lot quicker. But I'd like to hear your answer for that. What? Why would that be? Oh, the easy answer is because the mindset's different. A much stronger mindset. Like in the back then, I would shy to. I mean. I still did things, like I said, I didn't like to prospect about Stu Doolin, but a lot of other things, like uh, I would prejudge prospects, I have distant relatives, but I didn't feel like calling, or I didn't want to do a home meeting, I didn't feel like, nowadays, there's no such thing as I don't feel like. I actually intentionally put myself to do things I don't feel like doing. Like, I'll give you an example, is like, um, like I take cold showers, I have not taken a cold shower for almost two years, uh, uh, no, I take cold showers, I haven't taken a warm shower for almost two years, and like my coaching members know, know about this, I'll talk about it, because Cold shower is basically, you know, um, delayed gratification. Now, the health benefits of cold shower, there's not tons of them. I don't even want to talk about them. But one thing is it makes you feel good. But it's just dealing with 30 seconds, a minute of pain. And it could be, I don't care, it could be freezing cold in New York, zero degrees. I'll still take a cold shower. In Vancouver, it was freezing. The water hurt. The water actually hurt my scalp. Well, I felt I was going to get like a frostbite, right? It was so cold because in the winter because the water's coming from the mountains. But I'll still take that two seconds of pain, three seconds of pain. Because afterwards, I felt great. Uh, another thing I do is like uh, when I go work out, I hang on the bar, right? I hang on the bar. It's actually good for your back. But after you work and then your muscles are swelled or pumped, just hang there. Hang for at least a minute, minute and a half. You hang until your forearm, your hands hurt. But it doesn't kill you. But I just, do, I just do these things to make myself mentally tough because it's all mental. Like if you focus on your breathing, relax, and the thing is my shoulder's not going to pop off even though when I'm hanging on the bar, it feels like my elbow's going to pull off my joint, right? My bad shoulder's going to pull off. But I'm fine. I've been doing that for months now. I'm still stronger than ever. But while you're doing it, it is heck painful. But I have the mental toughness now. And I'm just giving you two examples of that. But uh, So how I'll be more successful? Because all the things I don't like to do, I don't care. I'm just going to do them. And I would just do them and do them and do them. And then it became, you know, whatever I don't like to do. I'll, and then it was almost like, well, if I don't like to do it, I'm just going to do it harder. So it's all about mindset. Simon the Animal Chan. That's your new name, buddy. Hey, if you had to boil down your success, to, let's say five things, if you have five that you can mention, uh, what would those be? Uh, number one is to think long-term, right? Uh, long-term, so always... Um, in long term, not necessarily five years to make a hundred thousand. I see this business long term as something I can pass on to my kids, and when my time is over, my pass through to my kids, my kids can pass through to others. So I think long, long, long term. And long term means like you don't quit, right? That's the obvious one. But long term also means like I don't burn relationships, right? I'm a giver. I'm always giving, giving, giving because, like, uh, just because someone doesn't join you, you meet someone. A lot of people, oh, that guy's not a prospect. Forget it. No, but you may be doing other things later on together, right? Maybe your kids may become best friends later on. Or maybe you because that person becomes your real estate agent. Who knows? We live on the earth for a certain amount of years. Don't just think, oh, network marketing. Don't put everything in a microscope, microcosm, where, oh, the person is not a good prospect. Forget it. I always think long, long, long term. I've always, and because of that, uh, that's allowed me to be a giver. Uh, sometimes I probably give too much, but I always believe the more you give, the more you get back. And I think God actually taught me this. Every time I've chased money, 
money's ran away. Every time I didn't care about money and just give, the money comes back to me. Even though, and that's the, that's the paradox where when I don't care about the money, the money comes to me, even though I don't want it. I don't care about it. And, and ML Nation is a great, great thing. It takes a lot of resources, time, staff. I mean, we have to, there's five people. I got to pay them salaries and all to do that. But I just give. And then I believe eventually it'll all come back. And maybe it's not just money. Maybe it leads me to like have a relationship, friendship with you and Michelle. That's awesome, right? If we didn't have ML Nation, we would have never been connected. I would have never met Esther. Uh, Esther invited me to speak Ambitious Woman. And then we connected. We met in Sacramento. It's awesome. So the first thing is just long-term, being a giver. Being a giver long-term focus me, the giving attitude. Number two is, oh, this is very controversial, is being the, with the purple cow. You know, and season two, we're going to have the purple episode, which basically... And I'm not going to talk about that. I'll save that for the next, um, the first purple episode, is, which, is, which is the next episode uh, about being different. You know, Purple Cow is a great book by Seth Godin. Everyone should read it. And some of it's a little dated. It was written back in 04, 05, I think. But talks about being different. And I embrace being different. I embrace that I don't have TV. I embrace that my kids don't know, have never watched cars before. They don't know about all these cartoons that other kids are watching. I embrace being weird. And and when you're weird, you stand out, you know, and that's how you're marketing. So a lot of things, um, like I don't pick, I don't, my phone is on 24-7, do not disturb. You cannot reach me. You call me, you don't reach me. You text me, I'll get back to you. And I don't get back to you right away. I don't, I don't have, I have notifications turned off. I check Facebook when it's scheduled time to check Facebook, not when a notification pops up. Okay, I'm very anal about that. Uh, I'm very anti-distractions, like Twitter notification, Periscope. I think, you know, I'm, I put a blog post out there. I'm still very anti-Periscope. Like, now, it may be great for certain things, but, and people say, oh, hey, that's another thing. And every new thing's the next great thing. No, don't be a fool and fall for that. And I mean, some people are probably going to get unhappy with me, but Periscope hasn't made any MLM leaders MLM distributors money. Now, it may have made leaders some money because it shows that lifestyle is a great way to train, right, people. But, and I wrote a whole blog post about it, but has you signed up anyone because of Periscope? Now, you may have signed up a couple people, but at what cost? How much time did that take you? If I spend that time going to the gym and just be friends with someone in 30 minutes, I can probably build three or four relationships instead of surfing and spend one or two hours on Periscope and got one contact. Oh, great. I mean, if you spend 10 hours on Periscope, yeah, you may get a couple of leads, but I could spend that 10 hours doing something else, going to my community, do some volunteer work. I'll meet more contacts like that. And actually, that's a real relationship. So I like to do whatever everyone else says. I like to be the weird person that says different. And, everyone's, and that's actually a sign when I say, what should I do? You know, um, if everyone's doing it, that's when, hey, Simon, don't do that stuff. And, you know, think if you do everything, do what everyone else does, you're going to get their results, right? So a couple other things like, you know, staying focused, staying focused. Um, we're the distraction economy. All these things like Facebook, uh, you know, even I love Apple, Apple, the iPhone, the Google, Snapchat, the Periscope, or Twitter. It's, it's in the distraction economy. The more they distract you, the more they spend. That's how they make money. If everyone just said, no, we're not doing this. No. You know what? They won't make any money. They're making money off your time. So I'm very, very anal about it. I like to be different. Uh, I don't spend much time on those networks. I mean, the only thing I'd use for Facebook um, because that's the way it's my outlet to communicate with people. Uh, Twitter, a little bit, right? Uh, Instagram, I started got it going and not. Um, a little bit of it. But 
Staying focused is something that, and, and how to stay focused is just saying no to a lot of things that a lot of people like to talk about, I don't talk about. If everyone's watching the Super Bowl, hey, I am not watching the Super Bowl. If no one's watching it, then hey, maybe I'll watch it. I like just to be different, a contrarian. A uh, couple of things, number three, that helped me become successful really quick is, and by the way, I could talk about the purple cow and being different all day for like a five-hour training about that, but we'll move, move on. Number three thing that helped me out was online marketing. Uh, I always liked... I never was really knew anything about computers, but I got into online marketing back as early as 04. I learned to generate my own leads. I bought leads. I was like, hey, that sucks. Okay, again, lead companies may not like me. Buying leads sucks. They're terrible leads. I did sign up a couple people. I didn't like it. Let me generate my own leads. So, uh, and the cool thing about now, you can learn whatever you want. I read, I attended online marketing conferences. I read books. I, I started generating my own leads as early as 04. I'm doing AdWords. And later on, doing online marketing, social media marketing. That's how I found Knott's Uncle Ed through Facebook. Uh, I've been doing online since, uh, oh, yeah, 12 years now, 04. Um, number four, to help me successful in new markets. I love going to new markets. Uh, one of the reasons I got became where I am. When Malaysia opened up, I went there. I, you know, when the Philippines market opened up, I was one of the first ones there. I love doing that. Uh, that's actually something that gets me really excited and fired up. And like I would say number five is I am super, super productive. Uh, I'm really, really anal. And you know about this, Adam. I'm really anal about time management. Okay? I don't take incoming calls. If you are late for a meeting, I just leave. Okay? So then people think that's rude, but that's your route to me. Like, you're late, right? I mean, if you had a flight to catch, would you be late for the flight? You're not going to miss your flight. Because why? Because it's really inconvenience if you miss your flight. But you'd be late for me? And that means, hey, that means you are more important than me then, right? That's inconsiderate. So, and people are late for phone calls, and I just don't, they call me back. I just don't pick up. I'm on to my next thing. I'm really anal about time management, disruptions, distractions. And you know what? This may sound terrible it may sound i may offend some people yes but you have to sacrifice a few to do the greater good if i answered every email if i took every phone call if i didn't you know if i stood there waiting for people to show up who are late i would never ever be able to create ml nation i wouldn't even have the time i'll be so overwhelmed and stressed trying to keep everyone happy so it really goes back to your purpose and vision so anyway that's a long answer to those uh long answer to those five to that questions five things thinking long term being a giver being the purple cow being different online marketing Expand to new markets. Uh, new markets also mean new cities. You went to new cities like Miami, stuff like that. And number five is uh, being really anal about time management. Yeah, I appreciate that. I was going to recap it, but I appreciate you just breaking them down real quick. You know, once you learn how to come out of your shell, Simon, and you let that passion flow, you're really going to have a, a bright future. No, I'm kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you, a, are you a coffee drinker? You know what? I never was until I drank, I had my first kid. Um, so we're, we're talking about productivity now okay so uh you know our Cold company showers are making sense though because i'm just like man i i want whatever he's whatever he's drinking well i'll as- share with you i'll share with you you know what it is i start drinking coffee like a one cup and then became like half a cup and then became one cup and then energy drink and then in 2014 and you know i know you, you i know you have hannah right i'm telling you by the time you have your second kid you realize you, you become so much more productive i always joke about it when i was single and then I started dating. I was like, gosh, man, things were so much easier when I was single. And then when I became married, I was like, gosh, things were so much easier when we weren't married. And then when I had my Obi, my first dog, my dog, wow, things were much easier when I didn't have to walk the dog. When I had my first kid, wow, things were much easier before I became a father. Then when I had my second kid, I was like, man, I had so much easier with one kid. And so when my second kid came, it's like, 
you know, God threw me all out, out in the fire again, outside my comfort zone. You know, I, I tried a lot of different things. I, not, I shouldn't say the words try. I did many things, like sleeping three hours and taking a three-hour nap and all that stuff. None of it worked. I ended up drinking more coffee. And then towards the end of 2014, this is like in November, I would just get tired all the time. Right, I need naps, and then people say, "Oh, you're getting older, the kids," and that was my excuse. I was like, "Oh," but then I was like, "Wait a second, it's all in the mindset." Like, stop thinking about. It. There's no way I'm getting older. There's no way. Forget this nonsense. I'm looking at the negative self-talk. So I was like, "I'm so tired of being and drinking coffee to stay awake to get fired up." And I was like, "And I was like, I'm gonna start studying." Okay, I start being focused and start reading like five, six books about nutrition, energy, and I realized caffeine is terrible for you. So I did a couple of changes. I stopped giving up. Uh, what I, and it was a slow transition. I gave up caffeine. I only drink. I totally don't drink caffeine on Saturdays, Sundays to recycle, to kind of reset the body. And then I cut my coffee down. And, and no energy drinks whatsoever, zero. Okay, because it just abuses your adrenal glands. No good. And I know there's healthy energy drinks out there, but nothing is healthy. Healthy thing is natural. Okay, nothing. And then uh, the coffee. And you probably think this is gross. I'll have a couple. Make a cup of coffee. On Monday morning, I'll keep that coffee at my entire desk to Friday to see if it lasts. And maybe it's even spoiled, whatever, but I'll take sips of it to see. And that's the only reason I do that to gauge actually how much coffee I drink. So today, right now, as we're recording this, it's a Thursday. The Monday coffee is still got a, probably a couple of sips in there left. I haven't finished yet, right? So, uh, and then what uh, I, yeah. other thing I did was uh, I drink lots of water. Uh, I drink like tons of water, like almost two gallons of water a day. I do go to the bathroom 50 times a day, but... Uh, and I drink green drinks, green like wheatgrass. That alone has given me tons of energy. Like so, even nowadays, I, I used to if I spoke at like a did a training like one of my boot camps and workshops, I definitely had some caffeine to get me fired up. I, I don't need that anymore. It's all mm. meant. So even like when we did that uh, event together in Sacramento, like I didn't have any caffeine right before. I was like, no way. It's all meant. I don't need caffeine. So anyway, it's just another thing to build mental toughness. Wow. So what I got out of that is if you want to be successful, drink weak old coffee, raise a purple cow, and uh, be productive. All good stuff. Exactly. Drink tons of, <laughs> drink tons of water, drink greens. The things hey, that give you energy. Absolutely. Hey, so I know, uh, you know this is your show. It's all about you. I've got a, a bunch of more questions, so listeners can break this up into, into sections if they need to. But I, I know I'm getting a lot of value from this, and I want to continue to get as much out of you as I can. So you mentioned uh, back when you were you know, going to pursue MLM, is it truly residual in talking about the fears and doubts? Could you just quickly touch on any doubts or fears that you had before you took the leap to start MLM Nation? Because you didn't do MLM Nation to try it. You were all in. And I mean, you had a staff and you were just, you were, you were putting your money where your mouth is. So can you talk about what was going through your mind? Because I know anytime we do anything new, Oftentimes, the biggest obstacle is ourselves, our own self-doubt. And uh, I'd love to hear you know, your take on that. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely. So, you know, I don't do many things, uh, so I'm very boring. But if I do something, I'm, I'm all in. So I'm very, very focused. So the ML Nation, the, the podcast, the, the show, really came, you know, the idea came on a flight to, uh, to we're flying to Sydney for my annual boot camp in Australia. So I do a high-end training there. And you know, my business partner and I were on there. And I've been writing blogs for, like, I have over 700 different blogs on my website. And so I've been blogging for it since 07, 08, basically. Actually, you can trace it back to even as early as 06, when it was, like, my e was on my blog. So 
Um, I thought about podcasts because I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Like I said, I, I'm into business. I listen to business podcasts, fitness podcasts. I, I got a lot of those tips about drinking water, green drinks from fitness, like health podcasts. So I was like, how come there's not something for network marketers, right? Wouldn't it be cool to hear, you know, to learn? And, you know, when I was in the my company, I knew all the success stories, trainings from my company's leaders, but I like to know what other leaders are doing. Because I wish I had that. And then, of course, you can go to YouTube. And on YouTube, there's so much stuff out there. What's good? Who's for real? You don't know. What happens if there's an authority that actually pick the leaders and make sure they're good and then kind of do the homework and then let people know about it? And I was like, that would be, you know, that'd be really cool. So we, that, that was the idea. And another point was um, talking about like putting yourself outside the comfort zone. Like at that time, I figured of all the skills, right, uh, like in terms of, uh, in terms of like marketing, online marketing, coaching, training, uh, doing sales, uh, running a company, yeah, managing employees. I think the the thing that was my weakest link was networking. I feel like, no, okay, that's all relative. I may be a good networker compared to others, but relative to the other skills, I probably was weak in that. It's like, so how about feature other leaders? Because number one, not as an owner, interesting, but hey, I better be good at networking because otherwise I'm not going to get anyone on the show. So I basically put myself out there. Hey, Simon, you're gonna either do well or you're gonna burn because if you don't network, start networking, you're gonna have no guests. And I say, let's make it aggressive, not just once a month, but how about three times a week? So Simon, you gotta be networking like crazy. Otherwise, your show is gonna be a failure. And Simon, you don't want to fail. So, so I put myself out there. There's a lot of fear, um, and I admit there's a lot of fear. And I think the fear is a fear of success. You know, what happens if someone says yes? Well, and I'll tell you, the first, we decided who's going to be on. We wanted the female to go on there in the first episode. And we thought, so we thought about Danny Johnson. Danny Johnson's very famous. I, I should always believe I like her. I like her stuff. And so how do I get Danny Johnson, you know? Right? Everyone, she's pretty well known. If I call her, she's not going to, if I email her, she's not going to reply back to me. Um, so what's the best way to give value uh, to, you know, what's, what's the best way to someone to pay attention to you is to give value. So I said, all right, so how do I give value? Um, give money, right? So I went to her event. I flew out to Austin. It, the whole trip cost about $2,000. I got VIP seats and everything. Got this. My whole goal to go out there, of course, to learn a little bit, but really to talk to Danny and and uh, to get her on the show. So I go there and I got VIP seats. I go there early and I found, and so when I'm actually registered, when I'm going to the plane ride, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was talking to my business partner. I better make this happen. It's $2,000, you know, like, because we're investing in other things and stuff like that, that we could just spend the 2000 on other things, but you go in there just to get this one interview. And he's like, you better make it happen. I'm like, all right, thanks for the pressure. So I go land there on the registration line. It's like, I ask people, I ask these people who are registering, I, I need to talk to Danny Johnson um, for like 45 seconds. And I have my spiel, everything prepared, Okay. Uh, and that's one thing I learned, you know, the the five Ps from one of my mentors back at the NBA, Tom Schoenwald. Okay, and he's, I'm going to get him to listen to it. I'm going to thank him. He told me the five Ps. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Okay, proper preparation prevents poor performance. So going there, I had my website on there. I had all these leaders I wanted to feature on there. And I had Danny Johnson right on the front at the top because she's going to be the number one episode, right? We're going to launch with her. Everything prepared, okay, even though we... We didn't even have one thing recorded. I did have the intro and the outro recorded so I could show her. So I was prepared. So I go there, and I, I, you know, at the registration line, I was like, hey, I need to talk to Danny Johnson for 45 seconds. I say, I have an important question to ask her. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, during the sessions, uh, you will give you the mic, and you can stand up and ask your question. 
I think, no, it's not that type of question. It's a very personal question that no one else can listen to. And it's, oh, I don't know. Danny doesn't do that stuff. Uh, but I need to ask her. I'm here just to ask her that one question. And the question was to get her on the show. So maybe you have to run through her right-hand woman, right-hand woman. So I talked to a couple other people. Turned out this right-hand woman was Jennifer, Jennifer Ratchford. So I was like, who's the Jennifer woman? So during that event, so I have VIP seats, okay? So yeah, forget about Jennifer. I'm going to go to VIP, sit in the front row, and when she gets off stage, I'm going to go there, talk to her. I'm, I'm prepared. I got the website. I have my iPad to show her. I got all these audios to list. So I go there, and I realize out of like the two, 3,000 people there, like two-thirds of them had VIP seats. So I got in early, but I'm in the back of the room already because there's people who actually literally, and Danny Johnson, so good, she, people camp overnight to sit in the front row. I was like, okay, so much for that plan. And then when she comes off stage, there's no way I could get to her. And then she's basically on stage, off stage immediately. Unless I cause a security scene and I bum rush the show, a bum rush the stage, there's no way I can talk to her. I said, well, okay, so we got to go to plan B now. Uh, so plan B is Jennifer. Jennifer Rashford. Who's, so I find out who Jennifer is. I kind of ask employees, hey, who's, I'm looking for Jennifer Rashford. Who's it? Oh, that's, that's the lady there. So finally, I'm like stalking her for the whole event. Finally, there's one time where she's eating lunch in the back. And then when she finished lunch, she got up. So I followed her. Of course, she went to the ladies' room. So I went by. I didn't go inside the ladies' room. I waited outside. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So I waited outside. And then she, um, you know, it was a very quick. She came out. And then I approached her. And then I gave her my business card, talked to her. And she said, oh, let me get back to you. And it was just follow-up, follow-up, and the four weeks of follow-up. And then finally, she said, all right, Danny's ready to do it. And Danny's like, I love her balance, life, work-life balance. She only works a certain amount of weeks. When she says it's that date, that's the only date you can do it. You can't be flexible. So you better make it happen. And so that was during a Chinese New Year last year. And I was in Vancouver visiting um, my wife's family, friends all in Vancouver. I was like, okay, but, you know, they live in a tiny house, um, her parents, and like, there's no way, but kids are going to be loud, so how am I going to do this interview? We've been professional. This is my first, uh, number one episode, right? The most important episode. We're launching this. What am I going to do? So I'm like, uh, well, it's like, the only thing I can do is uh, in the car. So we, uh, for Danny's episode, we did it out in the, it was like maybe 35 degrees that day. I used my father-in-law's cell phone, hotspotted it, brought my mic and, and my laptop, sit inside a car. I had like my little hat on, my jacket on. I interviewed her from the, inside a car. I so love it. I that's love how, it. you know, that's what it takes to be successful, doing that extra thing. And, you know, just selling yourself, right? It's all about selling yourself, uh, being focused. Uh, I had my team, you know, I just listened to po- anything you want to do, you can learn it. I bought a course, it's like a $1,200 course, totally worth it. I had my entire team go through that course. And people think it just takes 30 and 40 minutes. We spent, I basically worked like 20 hours a week for four or five, four and a half, five months before four and a half five months working 20 hours a week before the launch of the first episode and basically from november to march that's all i did and focus and again goes back to before i was talking about the multiple streams of income you really gotta be focused and i think that's one of the things that made it successful it's just our whole team was focused on that one thing and saying no to everything else yeah you know i remember listening to that episode because i first heard about you when my mentor one of my mentors was on your show and I went back. I said, I want to go. I want to go play the first episode. And I was on a drive, about a two-hour drive to uh, to my dad's house, and and I and I remember listening to your first episode. Of man, this guy got Danny Johnson. It was a great episode, and I was really impressed because I think even your uh, first and second guest uh, was it Big Al for your second. Yeah, guest? it was Big Al and Ray Higdon. 
You know, yeah, we, and Ray Higdon. I listened. I think I listened to all three of those on my drive up and back, and I was just impressed with the caliber of guests that you got. And that's what kind of got me also hooked on your show. Yeah, you know, one thing is people, you got to be bold and aggressive, right? And I had the website with all these leaders, top leaders on there. And people may sometimes be aggressive, but, um, but they, they're not confirmed yet. Well, 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 you know, how can you put them on a website? So the way I approach it is like, I, I, we plan to have you on the show. We plan to feature you. That's why we put your face on there. And everyone loves to see their face. And people ask, why do you have me on there? We plan to have you there. You know, we had 14 leaders there. Only one person told me to remove her image on there. So the rest of were all cool with it. Yeah, so good, so good. So just to keep moving on, you know, I mean, you've talked a lot about discipline. You're obviously a very uh, productive and focused person. Uh, could you share just a little bit about uh, your, I know you must have a morning routine, but uh, what that is, how long you've been doing that, and, um, you know, what, what, what keeps that in line? What kind of walk us through that? Because I know the morning routine is something I adapted several years ago, uh, or adopted, I should say, and it's just, uh, man, my whole entire day is just so much different, so much better, because I actually have structure to start my day. So talk about that. You know, I wake up, and I read the Bible, I pray, and then I watch the, because um, that's very important uh, to me, that's the priority. And then I, then I watch my movie. I actually create all these uh, screenshots, pictures. And I put them on Evernote. And I just go through them. And I think um, Signum, out Signum Kanaki out of Melbourne asked this question: What do I do to, you know, stay focused? And one routine is like I have a picture of all my past success, you know, my affirmations, things that make me happy, things that my future success. So, for example, if I, I plan to speak in front of a hundred thousand people, I will have a picture. of you know, the only picture I could get was a Martin Luther King speaking in front of a million people in the in DC. But it's, I visualize myself being there. I just look at these images because we always act according to ourselves, the image in our mind, right? Like even um, if you're listening to this before you listen to this, you visualize listening to the show. That's why you listen to it, right? You visualize what you're going to do next. So the, the, everything's up mental. It's all in mindset. So I go through the images, things that make me happy, remind me who I am, uh, and I play that for like f- four or five minutes. I play that. I listen to a certain song. I, I've listened to so many times where I can close my eyes and I can play a certain song. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever played a certain song and it brings you back to a certain moment, mm-hmm, right? yeah. I can play that song and I can play that. That's the movie of my life that's going to happen, you know? And if you think about the movie, your life is a movie, it, everything changes because the movie's going to have a happy ending, right? If you're sitting there, just say uh, you're, you know, you have a, you need a prospect. You're sitting on a train and you're not talking to anyone, just looking at your phone. There's a person next to you. Think about it, if that was a scene in the movie, that'd be really a boring, lame scene. Yeah. Right, so instead, talk to the person next to you. Say hi, smile, try, start up a conversation, make it interesting. So I'm always visualizing playing the movie of my life, uh, and that actually. So doesn't matter what happens. So I know what's going to happen to my life already. That's my movie. So when things get down, things are no good. I just play back that movie. This is what's going to happen. So it doesn't matter if just one or two things are, you know, not desirable happen to the or quote unquote interesting things happen that you didn't expect. Your movie's going to be good. So I play that. Then I write down ten things I'm grateful for before the day starts. Ten things I'm going to grateful for. Uh, three new things I'm grateful for my wife for. Okay, that's like start off that day, and then uh, I do a daily dose of gratitude. I reach out to someone. Oh, and then I meditate. I have a huge fan of med- meditation. Is probably the one thing I highly recommend everyone to do, okay? Just sitting there with mindfulness, uh, aware of your thoughts. Sitting there for five minutes. Uh, I meditate two times a day. So I do a five-minute meditation, and then I do some yoga for 10 minutes just to stretch myself out. And then I do, I drink, oh, actually, you can skip before the first thing, before I even read the Bible, I drink about like 32 ounces of water with vinegar. 
Okay, that's the first thing I do. Then I read the Bible. I gotta get With vinegar. Yeah, just like set your uh, your blood sugar and stuff like that. Uh, mixed in with vinegar, one teaspoon of vinegar. So I drink tons of water. I'm hydrated. Then I do so. Getting back to, it, I meditate. I do ten minutes of yoga, just really quick stretches. Then I drink wheatgrass. I take my supplements, and then I uh, do. A, I reach out to some random person, do a daily dose of gratitude, just letting know I appreciate them. I find out whose birthday is this. I sing happy birthday to them. Send them out to them, and then I'm ready to start my day. So that routine takes about like an hour. So, but I feel like I have to do that routine, otherwise the day just doesn't start off well. So I just sleep, I wake up earlier. Yeah, awesome, man. So good. So how about charities or or nonprofits? I've not, I've not heard you ask this question to any guests, but you know what's awesome about our profession is it really gives you the ability to contribute. So is there any any charities or nonprofits that you've had time to support or uh, add value to? Um, I donate to my church, but aside from that, um, there's not really charities I, I give. I don't uh, I give. Uh, so, yeah, there's really no charities. But what I do do is I give. So you know the whole charity thing. There's always this thing: like, is this charity good or not? Like, what can you, ch- what can you decide? Like, is this better than this? Is this better than that? So it's simple, right? And a lot of charities. I'm not saying they're bad. Some of them, a lot of the thirty, forty percent of the money goes to admin stuff or marketing, right? So uh, years ago, I, I decided that like, instead of giving to a charity, I just give to normal people. Like, for example, if I go to a restaurant and uh, you know, I love this place, Soup Plantation. It's like a salad buffet type of place. I take my kids there, and it's like a $10, $15 meal. I just give a 50%, 100% tip. I give it to the waiters and wages. Because I'm telling you, those people work hard. A lot yeah. of the they work hard. I mean, we think we work hard as network marketers. Heck, we just talk to people and train. Those people are on their feet eight hours a day, just like working out. You don't even need to work out. Lifting dishes, scrubbing. They work so hard. And maybe because of the way the program, they're not into the business, but doesn't mean they're not good people. So I just, you know what makes me feel good? It's just surprising them. 30%, 50% tips. I just tip really big. If, and if they're good, sometimes even 100%. Just to get them a smile. Another example is like my school, right? Uh, these teachers, like I, they, they, they've been going to school. You can call it daycare school, but... You know, one thing I'm proud of, my kids, by the time they uh, by the time they were two, both my two boys right now, I'm not the youngest who was just born, but they're both bilingual. So we speak only Chinese at home, and that's really to credit to my wife, because I'm fluent in Cantonese and Mandarin, but my wife is only Cantonese, but she kind of learned Mandarin just for the kids, you know. So, and actually my oldest now, his Mandarin is actually better than my wife's. Like he can speak, and my wife sometimes doesn't even get it. Uh, so... Because my wife kind of learned like the, just the basics. So they went to basically, we sent them to daycare because they do arts, they learn, and they can learn. They basically learn all the English in school. But these teachers, they work hard. They're such loving people. But they probably, I'm thinking about, they probably make only 26, 30,000. Maybe at most, you administer 50,000. And that's nothing to live in LA to be on that income, right? So on the Thanksgiving, I just give them $25, $50. I just surprise them. People give, you know, Christmas, I give uh, gift cards. Uh, but on Thanksgiving, I just randomly give Thanksgiving gifts to them. And they were so happy. Like one teacher came to me and said like, oh, thank you so much. For that, we were able to buy extra bigger turkey. You know, we were able to start Christmas shopping earlier. And to me, that, you know, just to make someone feel good, it's like, it's awesome. You know, it's a great feeling. Yeah, just a John Maxwell quote comes up when he talked about that. He talks about generosity being the highest 
level of living. And I truly am a believer in that. You know, that's the only way to live. It's so fun to bless other people. So well done there. How about, um, how about role models? Um, do you have a couple role models in mind that you had uh, growing up that you can mention? You know, they're all athletes. And, but, you know, I was thinking about this recently. And those, I mean, Michael Jordan, the way, you know, the 1996, he was, 1997, he was sick and he still like played and hit a game winning shot. But really the three role models, and this is one of the reasons, like, you know, I love network marketing because network marketing gives opportunity to women. All three of my role models who, who had a big impact on me to where I am today, kind of like life lessons, were all women. Number one was my grandmother, my late grandmother. Uh, you know, I was always picked on as a kid. I grew up in like kind of all white neighborhood. At that time, there was some racism. You know, we've even played like football. If I dropped, you know, if I dropped the pass, they would call me like Jerry Fried Rice or something like that. You know, I'll get picked on. And I didn't do well in school. I couldn't English was my second language. He just said, hey, just keep working hard and you can prove the haters wrong. You know, don't let the haters take you down. You're going to get the last laugh. So my grandmother inspired me that way. Always say, don't let, no matter what people make fun of you, just prove the haters wrong. Keep one day, you'll be better than them. So my grandmother, number two is my mom. My mom is just um, self-read. You know, she's basically an immigrant and um, just reading books. I mean, I guess maybe that's the reason I love reading is ever since I was a kid, I grew up with Newsweek magazines all over the house. And even though I didn't, I couldn't read. I like to look at pictures of tanks and pictures of cars or whatever, planes on Newsweek, you know, whatever they're fighting back then. I'll just look at the pictures. I'll look at the police cars. So I always grew up picking books up. And my mom uh, basically lost a lot of money in a real estate investment deal, but she did not quit. And she told me not to quit. And she basically learned to invest and self-taught. Everything self-taught, but just reading, reading, reading. And she was able to do well enough to let my dad uh, made more money than a doctor and let my dad retire 10 years early. All self-taught. So she inspired me. Self-development, not quitting. And then the third person was like my wife. You know, you know, marriage, as you know, Adam, is not easy. Probably the ha- hardest thing, much harder than MLM or running a business. And uh, a lot of times when things, you know, marriage is, sometimes gets tougher, you always blame the other person. But ultimately, it's us. Right? All the solutions are within, within us. So my wife challenged me to look inside to say, hey, Simon, you got to change. And that kind of got to me, you got to change and make this work. So through my wife, she really made open my eyes and forced me to be outside my comfort zone, do things and see things differently. And that's why I am, she's played a big part where I am today. Wow, those are, uh, I wasn't expecting those, but that's powerful, man. That's, uh, I think that just gets me thinking about how much, how significant what we do matters you know, based on our family and the people that are closest to us that, you know, we could be their biggest heroes. We could be their biggest role models. Are we being intentional about that? So thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing that thought to mind. Here's a question that I came up with that is kind of my, my most favorite question I've been wanting to ask you is if you could have dinner with three people that are alive today, who would they be and why? It's kind of a question I've asked myself. There's some people that I would love to sit down. So curious to hear, you know, who, who would those be for you? And, you know, when you, when you sent me that, I'm going to shock the heck out of you this answer, okay? Because, now, I know the three people, if they're dead, three dead people, I know which three people they would be, okay? Those three people who would be passed away would be Jesus Christ, Muhammad, and Buddha, because their philosophy teaching have lasted through the 5,000, whatever years, thousands of years. Um, but living-wise, that, that, that means, right, I could only, these three people are very, very, like the top, top people I look up to, right? Right. Being inferred. And the answer would be no one. 
and it's because it's how you define success. And these are probably be the all-encompassing three most successful people. And one thing I've learned is that some people may be successful in one area, but not in the other. And when when you ask me these three questions, my immediate and I actually I thought about this for it's been a couple of weeks since you sent me that question. Who's the people are perfect? And either I don't. There's no one's perfect, right? There's always some type of fault. And for my definition of success, it's not just about money. It's about right. marriage is very important. So I give an example. Like I shared this on my coaching call, and people some people are shocked. Like Richard Branson. Richard Branson's very successful as a business person, but he's also um, I think he's he had a previously failed marriage. So to me, Richard Branson is not a success. Because to me, a happy marriage is just as important as making, even more important than making all this money in the world. Now, that's not to say Richard Branson is not a success. I highly respect him for what he's done in business. But overall, would he be one of the three people? He wouldn't be one of the three people because he's missing something that I really look up to. He doesn't make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, So it wouldn't be. I don't know who it would be. I I wouldn't know. It would be a combination of someone who's had balance in personal life and in, uh, you know, in business, uh, in, in impact, and serving the ministry. And, you know, it's almost like it's, the more you get to know someone, everyone is screwed up. Everyone's got weaknesses. So to me, to limit to three people, it's, it'll be no one. Oh, all right, man. There you have it. So what about, uh, let's say when you were, if you could kind of think back to being 16, if you could actually go meet your 16-year-old self, what type of advice would, uh, would you give? You know, it's like to live, be yourself, choose yourself. You know, at 16, I had low self-esteem. I always wanted to be someone else. You know, I grew up, you know, I grew up, you know, pretty predominantly Caucasian neighborhood, Asian. I, I you know, I speak funny, right? That, that's, I hated my voice. I have a kind of like a little Brooklyn accent. I have a Chinese accent. I have a lisp. I, I was self-conscious. I felt like I was, I never had a girlfriend. I was awkward. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was just like, I wanted to fit in. And I would say to myself, Simon, don't fit in. Because you fit in, you're going to be like the rest of like the people, like kind of lemmings. They're going to go off the cliff. Be different. Choose to be that purple cow. Embrace yourself. And at, the, at that time, Adam, a lot of times I wasn't, I remember one year, freshman year, at 14, I wasn't even happy. I was depressed because I wanted to be like these other kids. These kids were cooler. They had the girls. They, they could play sports better, all that. And I wasn't. I want to be like that. I want to be like in the cool group. And I'll tell myself, forget that, Simon. Be yourself. Be unique. Be Embrace your uniqueness. You sound weird. You look different. Be unique. Be, embrace that. Don't fit in. Because the ones who fit in become like everyone else. They're never successful. And you know, all, and here's, this is kind of like a generality. But all, almost all the cool kids that were cool, they're not that cool when they're 30, 40. Right? And I just recently just found out someone that went to my high school is worth like you know, millions and millions of dollars. And not just, I respect him, not just for the amount of money he's done. And I don't want to quote his net worth. It's probably over $50, $100 million. But the, the reason I respect him is not because of the money, but because of the spiritual and his wisdom. And, and to him, he's not even, he doesn't even care about the money anymore. But he went to my high school. I couldn't believe it. We are in the same graduating class. And I was like, no way. Like, I looked him up on the Facebook. Now, of course, I didn't recognize him. Because he was the geekiest, nerdiest kid ever. Right. I, I, I didn't I didn't remember seeing him ever. You know, when I was doing all this stuff trying to fit in, he was probably in the library studying. But, you know, at his age, it's incredible what he's accomplished, this guy. Uh, and another friend as well. And so I would just tell myself, don't don't try to fit in. Just embrace who you are. You're unique. God's given you certain gifts just to make the best out of it. Don't be someone else. Be yourself. And I'll give you 
an example is my voice. I used to hate my voice so much. Even when I did MLM, I hated it because I sound different. Um, you know, people look at me and say, Who's the, you sound so weird. I just didn't like it. And I never thought I'd be doing a podcast, right? And it's funny because last year I was at ML Mastermind at an event, generic training event, and I started speaking to someone in line. I was speaking there. I was actually in line for something. And someone was like, hey, you're the guy from ML Nation. I never knew you're an Asian guy, but I just recognized that voice. And everyone looked at me. So it was like the thing that I hated the most, my voice, how it was different, now people are attracted to that. It's like yeah. almost, it goes back to your weaknesses, the things you don't like, becomes a better part of the story. So just my 16-year-old self, Simon, hey, don't fit in. Just, just do you know, all the stuff that makes you different, that makes you unique. Just go out there and make the best of it. Yep, yep. God, God made us all unique, so you might as well embrace it. Because if he wanted you to be somebody else, he would have done it. You know, um, we're on the home stretch, so I just want to make sure you're doing okay. Do you need to drink some stale coffee? I'm okay? good. <laughs> I don't need the coffee. I'm going okay. good. Okay, okay. So here's something that I want to address, um, something that I believe does not serve our profession well and can sometimes creep in. You know, when you hear a lot of success stories, like you listen to MLM Nation and you're hearing all these amazing million-dollar and six-figure earners the topic of comparison, that can creep in. Did you ever um, compare yourself to other leaders when you were you know, building? Maybe it was their income compared to yours. Maybe it was how they spoke, how they dressed. You just touched on a little bit of that. But how, how did you work through that? Because I want you to speak to the audience right now. I think that's one of the biggest cancers in our industry is comparison and, and, not, and people not embracing their uniqueness and not, and not uh, just letting their gifts shine. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's you know it's a tough issue because in this business you need to give recognition, motivate people. But ultimately, it goes back to what I said about the three people having uh, dinner with, or like you know um, my you know Dan Brink when he shared with me about your your why. You know you didn't join MLM to make more trophies and winner trophies and be on stage. What is your why, right? And your definition, everyone's definition of success is different. So don't compare. And I used to compare. You know, I used to, we had this team, a, gen, a really young team out in um, where I live. They were advancing way quicker than me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm working my soul, my butt off. I'm sponsoring more than, I sponsor 80 people. They sponsor five people. They get make, they're making just as much money. And they're doing a part-time. I'm doing full-time now, struggling, struggling, and not getting there. Like, I want to be diamond. They're, they're, how, come, how come they're ruby quicker? And know that they were just maybe frustrated. You know, understand everyone has their own journey. You're running, like, we're dealt with a different set of cards, right? If you have kids, it's going to be way difficult, more harder than someone not without kids, right? If you are, so the, the best you can do is look at the cards you have and you play your best hand. But you don't quit, right? You, you stay in the game. That's what, so for some people, it may mean a million dollars. You know, for my mentor, Dan, it was making six figures, passive income, and spending time with six kids, uh, for some people, it may make twenty. I mean, I just met a couple uh, from uh, ML Nation make twenty thousand a year, but because of that, the, you know, the wife doesn't need to work and she can homeschool her four kids. That's success. Everyone's definition of success is different, and just because someone's making more money, advancing quicker, doesn't mean they're better than you. You know, I, I, in my company. The first major rank is this gold director rank, right? Gold director is hitting fourth. I shared before. It took me a long time to get there. Hitting four thousand dollars, a thousand dollars a week for four straight weeks, and it took me two and a half years to get there. I went, and then you do the company does a special retreat for you. We went like uh, to Utah. I went to horseback riding and all that really cool stuff. So there were people that were made in a couple of months. 
And I'm like, two and a half years. And, and those people who sponsored 10 people. And in a year and a half, they did it. I was like, well, I sponsored like 100 people already. It took me. Everyone quit. What the heck? But I'm telling you, out of that, it was like 30, it was 53 people in a room. It was like 35 distributors total of 53 people. That was the biggest class at the time in my company. Only four people became Diamond Director. I was one of the first. And I was actually the second fastest to become a Diamond. Now, does that mean I'm better than everyone else? No, it doesn't. I mean, someone may be advancing better than me. So I learned really quick. And by the way, some of those people quit the business. They quit. They, I mean, they made quick money fast, and then they had hard. It goes back to what I talked about. They become very successful fast, and boom, life hits them. All the stuff hits them. They can't recover. They don't know what to do, and they quit. I don't even know. Some of them, I don't even know what they're doing right now. Right? They went to two, three, four other companies. They had quick success, and they quit. So. Your definition of success, don't compare yourself to others as long as you're doing the business consistently and know your your definition of success and keep going on the journey. As long as you're doing that, and even if you're stuck, I always talk about this, as long as you're going in the right direction, even if you're stuck, it's better than not going in any direction. Yeah, that's a good word, man. Thank you for covering that because I know there's a lot of distributors uh, just kind of struggling with that right now. So how about a, a favorite success quote? You got one of those? The temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. And yeah. I shared that in Malaysia. I shared that with everything else. You, you know, And that comes from a Chinese proverb. And I also got that from Bob Parsons, who's founded GoDaddy. And that's a very inspiring story. You can look up how he almost quit before he made his uh, millions and millions and millions. I'm going to give you one more quote. Uh, the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. That's probably my best advice. But a quote that's really motivated me over the years is really not something from a book, uh, but it's from a random video. And this comes from Rudy Tomjanovich. He was a former coach of the Houston Rockets. And the, they had, they repeated as champions. I think it was 93-94 and then repeated against the champions in 94-95. And the second year, it was really tough. I think they... Again, don't quote me on this. I don't remember my sports facts, but they start off the season bad, but they had like a really hot run towards the end. And then the playoff, they found themselves, even though they, they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs, right? They were like kind of got bust. They were the champions the previous year, and maybe got complacent and lazy. They barely made it to playoffs, only because they had a strong run towards the last one or two months of the season. And then they go into the playoffs, and they're facing one of the top teams. And, of course, they're like the one of the lower seeds. And next thing you know, I forgot the team they are down, but they were down three games to one. And then, you know, miraculously, they hit one, like, Big shot after another, and they won that series. And then when they finally repeated as champions, and I saw this on a video, so it's not from a book. I remember he gave his little thank you speech on the stage and he got the trophy, and he ended with this quote was, never, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And I just love that. You know, never, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And that just tells what success is. It's about desire, about mindset. And anytime I'm down, anytime when people are haters, anytime when people doubt me, anytime people don't, I just say to myself, never, never underestimate the heart of a champion because I'm going to go out there and prove it to you and show it to you that I'm going to make this happen. So there you go. I've heard you quote that many times on some other episodes. How about a habit that helped you become successful? You've already talked about several. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Uh, just staying focused and not getting involved in too many things. Like I said, I'm really boring. I don't even when I go I, now. You know, when I go out, I dress the same way. I don't. I could basically just copying what people do. Like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, they dress the same way. I dress the same outfit. I bought three pairs of the same jeans, same sneakers, same suits, 
same shirt. So, by the way, it's not because I don't do my laundry. If you ever see that, okay? That's a kind of <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, just keeping some simple and not getting involved with a lot of different things. Just, you know, for example, social media, I'd rather be really, really, really good. And I've gotten really good on Facebook instead of doing all these other things like Periscope, LinkedIn, Instagram. Being really good with Facebook, Facebook ads, all that. Um, even in in my company back then, you know, expanding to Malaysia, we put all our resources in. We went to the Philippines, just focusing on one thing at a time. So that blue shirt you were wearing when we Skyped yesterday, you're not still wearing it from, uh, from yesterday. <laughs> that is actually part of, my, that's part of my new outfit when I am with the family. Got it. Got I have it. a family outfit and then like a business attire outfit. I love it. I love it. Stay focused. I love the acronym for focus. Follow one course until successful. Definitely. So please write that down. How about uh, a favorite prospecting tool? Maybe when you're in the business or now that you recommend to your coaching clients, is there anything particular, whether it's uh, a video, a magazine, um, a flip chart? What What do you like to recommend and what was what, what helped you build uh, back when you were building you know use the tool that the prospect relates best to that they can use so if you are prospecting to a gen y and the online videos use that if they like you know if they um don't know anything like if you talk prospecting someone like my father who doesn't even know how to use an ipad actually he's just learned how to use an ipad but he wouldn't know how to go to a webinar or link right um you got to sit down with them use a newspaper a flip chart so do whatever tool that duplicates Gotcha. How about a favorite app? Anything like a any online? Oh, see, that's resource? my question. It is Evernote. Okay, I know. I know a lot of listeners said they got into Evernote. Evernote is awesome. It's like the digital Dropbox. I throw everything to Evernote. Um, it's really been a big, big game changer. Evernote and my Apple Pencil that came out. Now I use Apple Pencil with Evernote. Um, Apple, you know, Evernote with Apple Pencil. This is like this is like do free free network marketing promotion for Evernote. It's like you can write. And Evernote will recognize your handwriting. As long as it's not too messy, you do a search. If I put Adam Carey on there and I just search Adam, it will automatically pop up. You actually recognize my handwriting. That's how incredible it is. And well, the I reason w- I love that is save time. It's, I'm telling you, it's talk about like uh, you talk about productivity. I'm really aiming about time. I have there's another great tool. It's called the Evernote Scanner. You got to get this, Adam. It's like 500 bucks, but so so worth it. Okay. And my business partner actually he's really good. He told me told me about this. It's like I had like my assistant took manuals. You know like. Uh, for Hannah, you have like a car, you know, the car seat, right? The manual, yeah, or yeah. you get a bicycle. How many times have you been there? You want to set up something, or you don't need, you need the manual, right? And you're looking mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. I and my assistant scan everything using that scanner. It goes right into Evernote. So I could be in the middle of a park. I need something. I just put my Evernote search. It's right there. Every takeout menu, I seafood town, Chinese food. Type in Chinese food. Every Chinese menu pops up. Everything is in Evernote. Love it. Yeah, I, I was just going to tell the listeners, you better go get it because you're so excited you wouldn't even let me get the question out first. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, what about one book? I know you're a reader. You lo- listen to audio. What's one book that you would uh, recommend to MLM Nation? Um, well, the Bible is number one, but not counting the Bible would be... It's tough to say one book. So this is my show. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'll give you a couple. Uh, Think and Grow Rich. Okay, think and grow rich. You may have to read it ten times to really get it. The first one, two times, I didn't understand a heck anything out of it. I got the audio book, uh, and don't get the abridged version. Get the unabridged. Um, that just listening over and over again. But as you grow, the more you listen to, um, you know, the more you listen to it, you will find the wisdom out of it. And then I would say um, two other books would be uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That totally changed my life. 
Okay, it's, just, it's all about how yeah, Dale Carnegie, yeah, Dale Carnegie, and then the last one would be uh, I just had a brain freeze here. Uh, Think and Grow Rich, Dale Carnegie. Oh, your first year in network marketing by Mark Yornell. You know, I read that book in '04. I know this one of the most recommended books on ML Nation. It's because that book taught taught me that you're gonna get your butt kicked in your first year. So if you make any money, consider yourself lucky. So, you know, I did make some money my first year. I said, well, I'm lucky because you're not supposed to. You're there to learn. Just do the business consistently. You learn. If you earn any money, it's a bonus. So that was a really good book. Some of it's dated, but still really good. Tell me what to expect. Awesome. So MLM Nation, you, uh, you and I both know that audio is amazing, and you can go right now online and get a free audio book for free, whether you want to get Think and Go Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, your first year in network marketing. All you got to do is go to MLMNationBook.com. That's MLMNationBook.com. Get your free audio, and uh, you can uh, start growing and learning just like Simon has. If you want something new and different, go check out this group, Purpose Driven Networkers. It's the only group where you get to prospect with myself and other top leaders at least 15 times a week. You also get accountability. And if you're stuck and not sure how to reply back to prospects, then you get to send me screenshots of your conversations and I'll guide you on what to say. You also get access to over 180 different trainings that teach you everything from building your business on Instagram to prospecting LinkedIn to even more traditional methods of building such as doing home meetings or coffee shop meetings. It also has a five-step program that help you get your next customer or rep within 28 days. And most people get a lot, lot quicker than that. No other group in network marketing can give you this type of training, coaching, and accountability combined. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, go check it out at PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Again, that's www.PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Simon, I think we're, we're winding down here, brother. What's um, we got the last question. Imagine that you were forced to start all over again, which would be, uh, I don't think you'd want to do that, but if you had to, and you knew no one, and you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom, what's the first thing that you would do if you had to go find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? I love it. The million-dollar question, that's probably the number one question people are emailing me about. And I know Andy Jenkins, uh, you've been on the show, you want to know what it is. Um, it would be go out there and put myself in a community and provide value. Uh, there'll be two things. Number one would be like, uh, so that's offline, right? I'll go to the gym. I'll join two gyms and uh, I'll go at different hours, meet different people, smile, and just build relationships and not think about it. I teach this in my co-market recruiting course. There's two types of prospects, like the quick direct approach, which is like you go to a Starbucks and it's like, oh, actually, I don't drink coffee now. I can't use that. I, I go to Jamba Juice, right? I go to Jamba Juice to get a juice, uh, like a smoothie. I say, hey, just out of curiosity, I'm expanding our business in the LA area. Would you know, would you or would you know anyone that would be interested in earning like three to $500 a month? I can ask that 10 times a day, 20 times a day at Whole Foods. Just ask that. Nine, 99% of people will say no. One of people will say yes. You know, I go to restaurants. I'll say the same thing. Um, so just in everyday living, everyday life, restaurants, eating, um, I'll do that. I can use a quick, direct approach. And then, and then the slow harvest approach is putting yourself in situations where you see people repeatedly. And that's when you give value. So I will never prospect with someone immediately. If I go to the gym, I see someone, I'm, I'm going to go back to the same gym. I'm going to say hi. And next time I can say hi. After a couple of highs, say, hey, what's your name? How are you doing? And we can start community conversation. And I'll find ways just to be friends. 
and take that offline and maybe, actually, this is offline. I'll take them to go hang out. Let's go grab a drink someday, grab coffee someday, right? I do this all the time just to build, even though I don't build a business, but expanding my network. Um, so where would I go? Gyms, I'll join a basketball. Do the things that you like to do. So what do I like to do? I like to go biking, join a cycling club. I like to... Uh, uh, go work out like a gym. We talk about basketball. I join two basketball leagues, right? I'd be involved in my church, in my community. I, I like to run, get into a running club. Uh, I'm an online marketer. I go to meetup.com, find an online marketing group. I go in there. Business entrepreneur group in the South Bay area in LA. I'll join that. Now, online, same thing through Facebook. I'll just update my profile, be providing value, share my niches, like, you know, uh, business, wisdom, life lessons, business coaching. I'll just share people tips, kind of exactly what I'm doing right now. And I also get into some online Facebook groups, get involved there, like especially online marketers, small business groups, and never prospect them, just providing value, liking, commenting, building relationships to the point then I can meet these people, whether it's through a Skype call or meeting for coffee, and then once the relationship is good, then I'll present it to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's relationship marketing. That's another term for it. So you got to be relational. You know, I want to combine a question, Simon, because um, you know you always ask your your guests the best piece of advice, and then you have them share some advice. And so I figured the advice that you would want to share would probably be the best piece of advice you've ever received. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that as we wrap up? A uh, best piece of advice is uh, and uh, well. Um, you know, this is my own show. I don't even know the best piece of advice. Um, the best piece of advice would be to be different. Gosh, this is the and don't don't edit this out. Keep this here because you actually got me on the keeping spot. it real. Keep it real, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, but number one, be the purple cow. Be different. Don't fall in and be like everyone else. If everyone else is doing, don't do it. Be different. Be unique. Okay, because. Uh, people get attracted to you. If you're like everyone else, like cows, black and white, they get slaughtered. Purple cow, like, oh my goodness, it's purple. They'll put you in the museum. They'll put you in the zoo. People will worship you, okay? Be different, okay? Stand out, be different. Don't talk about what everyone else is doing. But let me add one more. Because you said the best advice, and I mean, being the purple cow is probably one of the best business advice. Uh, but in terms of life advice, and and this goes back to, you know, you, uh, Adam, you asked me the question of the three people I have dinner with. I'll say no one. So I'm going to give you some life advice. I think this is the best advice I ever got was from an interview uh, when I was working at the NBA. I looked at this interview that David Robinson did. And David Robinson is a former NBA great. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He played for the San Antonio Spurs. He's also very, what really respected me was... He's a very godly man, and he had donated like $15 million to start this charter school in San Antonio. And so we sent the crew out there to do an interview, and I was actually in production cutting it up. And someone asked him, like, why did you do all this stuff? Why did you decide to do this, donate all this money? And so this is the best advice. Okay, He said, you know, seconds before you're about to close your eyes and die and, pass, and die in this world, what makes you happy is not the MVP trophies, my championship rings. What makes me going to die happy is my relationship with God and all the good I've done in this world. And when I heard that, I was young that time. I was like, wow, does that, that really put things in perspective. Like all the stuff you really think about this. And I read, you know, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in the Bible every morning. All the stuff we're doing, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? The money we make, the stuff, the toys, uh, even this podcast over time, does it really matter? You know, when it does, does it really matter? You know, seconds before I'm, I'm about to die, what makes me happy is my relationship with God and also 
knowing the lives that are touched. How many lives have I touched? Have I made a positive impact on this world? Have I left this world better than I came into? Have I been a taker or have I been a giver back to this world? Because at the end of the day, all the money, all the toys, materialistic things, they mean nothing. Those are two things. God and the amount of good I've done in this world, that is what matters and that's what makes me happy and as long as you're happy, you're successful, right? So I, w- I would say that would be the best advice I ever got. That's from David Robinson from a tape, that, from an interview I saw. Um, but back to business. And in terms of building network marketing business, um, is a temptation that never, the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. If ML Nation, if you have not wanted to quit your business, okay, this is the real deal. If you never wanted to quit, you love it. I'm sorry, you just haven't worked hard enough. That you gotta work it hard, like Adam, you shared it. Like you gotta want work it, working that to the point you hate it. Like this is not even working. I I can't stand this business. Why is this? Hey, welcome. That's when you're close to success. And I guess my last words is like you know, um, really, it's people need mentors. Uh, There's a couple of things I actually wrote down. Is you need a mentor. A lot of times, the best mentors. You're going to grow, your, grow out of your mentors. Like my first mentor, I grew out of him. Then I went to another mentor. And actually, if you look back through my business journey, the years where I kind of stagnated was when I, did, when I outgrew a mentor, I didn't have another one. And you, have diff- you need different mentors in different parts of your life, not just in network marketing, but business, in life, or maybe raising kids, your spiritual mentor. You need different mentors. And a lot of times, the best mentors are not your upline. Because it doesn't necessarily be upline, but someone who is not vested in your success. So, for example, when Dan shared that with me, you know, his business has so much volume. The reason why is because sometimes, you know, you know, Adam, like I, I made this mistake too. Like, like sometimes you want to tell someone something, but you're afraid to tell it to them because you're afraid they're going to quit, right? And if they quit, that affects your income, right? So, yeah. because of that, you don't really give the hundred percent advice that you should uh, be giving. So. Your mentor cannot be someone's income that's affected by you. They get to the point, a certain point is good, but sometimes, you know, the truth is hard to take. Truth may get you angry. Truth may upset you. Truth may make you not want to do the business anymore. But you need to hear that truth. And anything that's sugar-coated is not the truth. So some of the best advice, like when Dan shared that with me, and like, hey, Simon, what's your exit strategy? If his income was relying on me, he wouldn't share that with me. He'd be stupid. I, I stopped building the business and his income's going to stop. But I was so deep, deep, deep in his business that whatever I did had no impact on him already. He had like millions and millions of points in his business. It didn't matter. So have a mentor that's not financially invested. It could be someone you hire out or even some up, up, up line. Or, or it could be a cross-line friend, a cross-line leader that has no financially tied interest to your business. That's really important. Uh, you know, in a journey, you want it hard, right? And people say, network marketing is so hard. Hey, you want it hard. Because if you want it easy, go, hey, welfare is easy. But it doesn't make any money, okay? The reason why network marketing is awesome is because it is hard. Because when you get to the top, you will get what no one else gets. And last um, two other things. I just took my notes down. It's been, by the way, Adam, thank you so much for doing this. This has been the marathon, marathon episode. But uh, <laughs> is, I think I had to get this. You know, I want to thank you for being on my show today. You know, MLM Nation, number one rated MLM podcast on iTunes. Um, I don't know if I want to give this back to you, man. It's been a, it's been a good time. <laughs> hey, by the way, MLM Nation, Adam and his wife are so cool. They just 
not just the leaders, but they become friends, um, also spiritual mentors as well. Uh, definitely check them out at Adam and Michelle Carey, or just put Adam Carey on Facebook, uh, or check out the episode. They're a very good episode, and they also have a very good book, Don't Be That Guy in Network Marketing. So definitely check them out. I really appreciate it. This has been the longest episode. But the last two things, I always say two things, and this will be, is remember, like, Entrepreneurs, employees are overpaid at the beginning. And this is actually my pinned post on my fan page. Employees are overpaid in the beginning, but underpaid for the rest of their lives. While entrepreneurs are underpaid, but overpaid for the rest of their lives. And, you know, when I first started at any job, you don't know what you're doing. You're getting a full salary. You are really, really overpaid, right? But then once you get it going, you'll be underpaid for the rest of your life. The other way is, as an entrepreneur, you get started. You're underpaid. When I had to talk to 42 people, I was underpaid. But now I don't do anything to pay six figures. I'm the most overpaid for the rest of my life. Don't forget that. And then last thing is, you know, make sure it's not about the money. It's about your purpose. Because if you're just chasing money or chasing rank, you, I'm telling you, you're going to get disappointed very um, disappointed really quickly. And that's why you see people who are celebrities who make a lot of money. They get depressed. They lose the money. They do other crazy things. It's all about your values and your purpose. What is your purpose? And once you find this purpose, network marketing is an amazing and the best vehicle, whether it's going to help you get it or a stepping stone to allow your purpose-driven life. So, and, and um, you know, MLM Nation, thank you for listening to this super long episode. I especially thank Adam for his patience, almost two hours here of uh, just listening to me to talk, talk, talk. And uh, remember, everyone, we're in the profession to help others, so go out there. And by the way, you know how to reach me. I don't need to tell you to go to MLMation.net. You know how to find me. But my last words is, MLM Nation, remember, we're in the profession to help others, so go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. There you have it. MLM Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But if you're intentional, I'm going to actually change that to you're the average of the five people you invest the most time with. And today, you've been hanging out with Simon Chan. So keep up the momentum. Go to MLMNation.net. Type in Simon in the search bar. All the show notes will pop up, the books that he's recommended, all the nuggets, the takeaways. You know, in order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So, Simon, thanks again for sharing your valuable time. Thank you for trusting uh, me enough to come in and uh, host today's show and interview you. I've had a blast. And MLM Nation is definitely grateful for you, all the time, energy, and effort you put into hosting these shows. We appreciate you, and you're definitely having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you, guys. God bless you all. Have a great day. Hey, MLM Nation. I would love to prospect together with you and also help guide you on what to say, how to reply back to your prospects so that you can get your next customer or rep this week. You want to know how? Just go to PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Again, that's www.PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Wow, MLM Nation, that was a powerful episode. I don't know about you, but I've got pages of notes from this show with Simon. And even though Simon and I have become friends over the last year or so, there's so much that was shared today that I didn't even know, like ideas and tips. And so I I just hope you were intentional about taking notes and also implementing them into your business. You know, for those that have not had a chance to meet Simon personally, I just want to let you know he is truly a leader that walks the walk, meaning he's the same off stage as he is on stage. The man is a giver of his money, of his time, of his talent, and my wife and I have been a better 
have benefited from it. So Simon, I just want to thank you for pouring into us, for pouring into MLM Nation, for the thousands of people that you'll probably never meet. Um, you truly are a giver, my friend, and I thank you for that generosity. So, you know, some of the major takeaways that I got just uh, from this couple hours with him is, you know, just to be a doer. You know, Simon is a man of action, and all successful leaders are. You know, they, they don't think about it. They just do it, and that starts with to you know stop talking about what you're going to do and just just do what you're going to do you know show people and if you want to become successful like Simon one of the things he talked a lot about is you got to learn to focus on what you really really want but also focus on what truly matters you know Simon is a master at tuning out distractions i i couldn't believe some of the stuff that that he was sharing but i bet if we all self-evaluated uh, just our time, if we looked at you know the 24 hours in the day that we have, we would all find distractions that are keeping us from reaching our full potential. Five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 20 minutes there. And if we use that time to focus on money-making activities, man, our whole world would change and we would, e- we would be leading by example even more so. So I love the fact that he... Um, talked about the long term, you know, the fact that when he got started in the business, he had a five year commitment to make six figures. And that's, that's a, that's a, 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 something that we should talk about guys, because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You know, do you have goals? Do you have written goals? Are you disciplined with those goals? You know, he talked a lot about focus, a lot about discipline, um, the, the fact of just being consistent. You know, that right there is why, in my opinion, 99 people, 99% of people fail in network marketing is just they're not consistent enough. You know, that's why they, they don't get in shape. They're not consistent enough with eating right, working out, making calls. I mean, consistency, doing the grind day in and day out is what this is, is how this, uh, this game is won. Uh, being different, man. I love the fact that he talked about being unique, being different, dreaming big and going fast. You know, the testimonies that were shared today blew my mind. I, it got me thinking about just the power of one decision that we have if we say yes to an opportunity and how it changes not only our lives, but it has the potential to change thousands or tens of thousands of lives. You know, when he started to share about the, the guy in the Philippines that was making two to three hundred dollars a month, he said yes to an opportunity. Now he's made a couple million dollars in network marketing and he's changing lives. What if what if Simon would have thought, you know, I'm too good for network marketing. I've got a, a degree and you know I've done this and I've done that. This is beneath me. This is for the broke poor people. That's how he used to think. What if he wouldn't have said yes? I mean he built an organization of over 70,000 distributors. Obviously, it was teamwork, but if he wouldn't have said yes, think about all the people that wouldn't have heard about our amazing profession. And so it's just it's powerful to think, but it can have the, the opposite effect. If you quit your business, think about all those that you're not going to impact. You know, there's people right now that are praying for an opportunity, and you get to be the answer to that prayer. So let's go out there. Let's get out of the way. Let's stop worrying about what people are going to think and offer a life-changing solution. They get to decide if they want to come along for the ride. There's no pressure. We're not out there to convince anybody. We're just out there to bring hope. We're out there to to answer prayer. We're out there to steer them to life-changing services, products, and opportunity that builds wealth that builds systems, that builds friendships, that builds memories, and it, and it creates freedom. So guys, go out there, be different, be unique, You know, take advantage of, of what you have your hands on, and never forget 
your why. That was probably the most powerful part of the whole uh, the whole meeting for me was the conversation he had about um, you know that the mentor had with him about never forgetting the why. You know, if you're in this for time freedom to be with your kids. Keep the main thing the main thing and don't get caught up with the hype. Don't get caught up with the fame. Don't get caught up with the awards because they never satisfy. And what we need to be focused on is our legacy that we're going to leave for our kids and our kids' kids. And it's all going to start with the decision of saying yes one time to commit to your business, tune out all the distractions and uh, you know, step into what God's called you to be. So, guys, I encourage you subscribe to this uh, podcast, MLM Nation. Amazing, amazing content. Make sure to rate and review. That's how Simon says ranked, and uh, that's how the world hears about us. Reviews are huge. And go to the show, na- uh, show notes page at mlmnation.net to get all the resources that uh, Simon talked about. He's got great coaching, great um, materials that are available. And uh, it's all made available for you. So again, it's mlmnation.net. My name is Adam Carey. It's been an honor to be the host of MLM Nation. I hope to get to meet you guys out there uh, traveling the world. I hope to bring value to you in this profession. And I just want to thank you for elevating our profession. And, uh, and we'll go out there and crush it, guys. So God bless you. Look forward to meeting you real soon. We'll talk to you later.